A group of young restaurant workers stave off boredom and contemplate what they want in life with various antics during a dinner shift. Hello, everyone. I'm Caleb Leger. I'm Connor Izagari. And welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bad. Today we'll be talking about the independent black comedy film Waiting, a film which takes a realistic and comedic look at those working in food service with an extremely stacked comedic cast. Rather, this would translate to minor box office success for its relatively low budget. Um, critics would not be so kind. So on that, shoot over to Connor for the score. Yeah, it's not always terrible movies here. It's the movies that critics have told us are terrible, and we occasionally like to find something that we think deserves a second look. In this case, Waiting scored a 30% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, but is sitting at an astonishingly high 75% audience score. So pretty big disparity there. Uh, Critics' consensus reads, Waiting is a gross-out comedy that is more gross than comic. Oh, sounds like somebody doesn't like pubes. Well, too bad. You're watching the wrong damn movie. Have they not seen any of the Jackass films? <laughs> I These are critics, probably not. <laughs> like, you want to talk... Well, they saw the new one, and apparently all love the new one. But, huh? Like, this isn't the most gross-out gross out comedy I've seen. It's definitely, like, it's crude. It's raunchy. I'm not going to deny that. Like, it's is a 2000s comedy through and through but not even like the most offensive like grossest thing i've seen a comedy film do no not even close close. apart from the you know the full bush which was a bit jarring but honestly like this movie is more about just you know the way a restaurant actually operates on the side of the waiters than you know just gross out for kicks i mean a lot of this stuff is pretty on the nose yeah no it i don't understand where chris come from it's like this film is taking like i said like i put in there you know it's taking a very comedic yet realistic look at like workers in this in 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 this industry specifically and really anyone that's ever worked in food if we're just being honest um but in the re- in this restaurant in particular, and like especially at a time with it's very established, are all very young, it's supposed to all be in their twenties. So they're all constantly like, "What the hell do I want to do in life?" Like, you know, a lot of them are like, "I don't want to work here all my life." So he's taking that that weird time period that I think we can all relate to, and putting it in a setting that like, a chunk of people can relate to because a lot of people have worked in the food service industry in some capacity. Not everyone, but a good chunk of the population. And just kind of giving you this like, and you know, it's what to me what makes the film work is that it is so both com- funny, but also just really realistic and funny in the sense of like generally the dialogue and the jokes are hilarious what they're saying to each other. Yeah, and it's got its problems. You know, it's like most two thousands comedies. It's quite homophobic. It's quite sexist. It's you know, it's all over the place, but. You know, I don't want to make excuses, but this was a time when, you know, comedies were raunchy comedies were like that. They, that's what that's the angle they often took. Uh, and some of them still hold up in their own way. A lot of them, you know, also don't. 
This one's kind of middle ground. I think it's, you know, the homophobic shit's hard to hard to stomach these days, but also it is just a very spot on look into how it goes working at a restaurant like that. It's, it's if you've worked in the industry, like this movie makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I mean, from like, you know, when she's like, Naomi is like yelling, like these fucking customers don't ever run anything right in the back. As she's walking out, and the moment she turns the corner, all of a sudden she goes, God, fuck these guys. Said, hey, how you doing? Like, who had, man, when I worked at Subway, I'd do that shit all the time. I'd be in the back bitching after like a, a rush, a lunch rush or a dinner rush. Like, man, these fucking customers are trying to get shit done so I can get out of here. Blah, blah, blah. You hear the door go off, and you're like, oh, fuck, who else is coming in? As soon as I round the corner, you see me go, like, Hey, welcome to Subway. What can I do for you today? Like, immediately, like, switch my anger into joy somehow because you just, you just start getting good at it. Um, but things like that, um, probably the most relatable thing that anyone working any job with hours can relate to. But when the kitchen's like counting down when they mm-hmm. can go and those fuckers come in five minutes before you close. And look, that part is hilarious when they're sitting there and like she comes in, she's like, she has to break it to them. Hey guys, I just sat someone. Sorry. And the kitchen loses its mind. Like, no. Like yeah, it's a very realistic look of like how they would respond because they're pissed because they just got done cleaning and want to go home. But at the same time, it's hilarious to see them be like, "God damn it, no!" And they're throwing the food on the ground. <laughs> yeah, I've witnessed that freak out firsthand several times because you know I I used to work at the Alamo Draft House in San Antonio, which is as they would often tell us the biggest restaurant in town because it was a movie theater. It was also a restaurant. So there were you know thousand fucking tables. And yeah, when you were working the late shift and you wanted to go home and you had to, you know, hope nobody came in and ordered some shit on, you know, sometimes if it was midnight showings or like when we had Star Wars, they had 1 a.m., 2 a.m. shows, which was just fucking cruel to, to the staff. Uh, and yeah, shit would get ordered, shit would go out and kitchen would just be pissed that they, you know, they just finished cleaning the place and they had to put a fucking burger on. Those were the days. <laughs> yeah, I I have to ask. Don't name don't name the location that you worked at. Did they do what they did in in waiting and purposely drop food on the ground? No, 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 not at all. They were, or at least I didn't see it. But they were. Um, it was a very cleanly, like very clean, very above board location. I pro- I still go there all the time. So yeah, I that- if I'd seen how the sausage was made and it was disgusting, I would not keep going there. Okay. With that said, do be careful of that because I know stories of people doing that when you piss off the food people, especially if you're coming in five minutes before they close. Do not piss off the cooks. Um, no, nah, like the and, movie has a big scene where they show off what happens when you piss off the people who handle your food. Yeah, golden rule, people. Don't piss off people who handle your food. But uh, I did that cracks me up when they drop it. And he's like, "Oops, I'm so clumsy. <laughs> I'm off thumbs today." <laughs> God, Ugh. makes me never want to eat at a restaurant. But then I'm like, actually, I'm nice to the to the staff. I'm always friendly. I tip well, so I should be good, right? <laughs> I should be. Yeah. No, look. In all fairness, like especially work. Um, when I worked at Subway, like I can relate to that. Like I remember, like you know, obviously when you close, it was you and one other guy at my location. So you're like, you know, doing your stuff early. So you, as soon as that it closes, you're only like maybe wrapping up, maybe you know tops 30 minutes after you close so you can get the hell out 
and man, sometimes you have people that come in like literally to me, you're so open and you want to say in your head, you just want to be like, fuck no, leave, just go home, leave. But you have to be like, yeah, we're still open. And then you have to put on a fake smile. Let me, yeah, let me, what do you want? Let me just say this on behalf of anybody who's ever worked in food service. If you show up at a restaurant like 10 minutes before it's about to close and everyone's already put shit away, but then they unpack it for you. You are an asshole. Stop doing that. Everybody hates you when you do that. Yeah. shit. Guess what? Just go to one of those. There's plenty of places now that open are open till three in the morning. They're open 24 hours. Go there. For the love of God, we have Uber Eats, Grubhub, DoorDash. Fucking just find something on there that's still open and get some driver that wants to work the late shift because there's plenty of people that have zero issues somehow doing those like 1 or 2 a.m. deliveries. I don't know why, but hey, money's money for those people. You can do what you got to do. Yeah. Um, that will take care of it. Don't. If you go into any place and you're unsure when they close because it's late and the first thing out of your mouth is... Or you're so open, just don't go. Yeah, if you have to figure it out, go with no. You, you don't just get to have a no. snake that night. Just go away. Yeah, pick a different day to go. Um, well, let, before we get more into this, and let me just ask a question then that I came up with because we both have, as we've established, you've worked at the Draft House, which to give you guys a more clear picture, um, basically, like you were saying, you go see a movie. It's a movie theater. They have the tables in front of you, so you have legit like people that are waiters coming to you and giving you a menu with pizza and burgers and nachos and a fucking like two to three pages of drinks alone, desserts, like a full-on restaurant-style menu that serve you food while you watch your film. So it's a legit like restaurant meets movie theater. Um, I worked at Subway for a while. I actually had the conundrum in a weird way, which makes it weird watching Waiting Now or I did actually accept the manager position at my place. And then I had that moment of like, what the fuck am I doing? And I got out and I'm in the military. But yeah, it was weird watching going, oh, wait, I remember when I was in that position. And I, wow, I was really connecting to Justin's long character because of it. Um, but so we both have worked in, you know, food, right? Um, my question is, do you, or how well do you think this film captures that everyday life of food service people? perfectly this is how it works you know everyone's in the back bitching about the job about the wait staff partying together afterwards kitchens full of weirdos dish pit guy is a weird philosopher like that is the norm it's weird but like every restaurant in america has that dynamic yeah, yeah. it's 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 so fine to me because you'll see like the waves are always like it's almost like quote unquote the chocks of the restaurant right the waves are always the nice ones that they're presentable you know, obviously the ones that are going up saying hi to people and the cook, the kitchen is always filled with people that just will openly bitch, openly complain. They're sometimes stoned while they're there. Um, like it's, and then they bitch about the wait staff, the wait staff bitches about them. But then at the end they're like, Hey, we got this party going. You guys want to come up? Yeah, absolutely. And they all go and party together. It's the weirdest shit. It's a fucking very interesting dynamic. When I, my job at Alma draft house was a food runner. So because there's so many fucking tables, like in our six theaters, each theater has like 40 seats. It's insane. So my job was to look at the expo window, see what was ready, grab it, take it to the theater it was supposed to be at and deliver it. So 
I didn't have a lot of customer interaction, but I did have some. And sometimes, you know, when people are assholes, they'll take it out on whoever they think is beneath them. Uh, but the power hierarchy at Draft House, at least at mine at the time, we were kind of like the bottom feeders. We were at the bottom of the totem pole. The waiters, the servers were all this like weird click. It was like Mean Girls. You know, you can't sit with us and all that shit. They they acted like, you know, kings of fucking Pride Rock. And I had to constantly think, like, you are waiters at a movie theater. Slow the fuck down. Yeah, you, this is your life right now. Yeah. And uh, I was told by several different managers at several times I worked there. I would go in, on and off between, like, school terms. And uh, I was told that I was going to be next in line for a uh, shift leader position where I'd be kind of like one of the managers of the the food runners is what Austin's job was. That's how I met him. He was my supervisor. And um, I got dicked around on that so many times. I was so pissed. Every time they tell me it was mine, I, somebody else would get it. And I'd be like, great, fuck this. So it was, uh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't get that. But the kid who did was an asshole. And Austin talked about him several times. I think he named him on the last one of the recent podcasts we did. I believe but, he did. Uh, Austin does not like him. No, no, no. But yeah, I, despite all the bullshit and the hierarchy and the, you know, bottom of the totem pole shit, I value my time at Draft House big time because I made lifelong friends and it was a good experience and I got free movies. So I have no regrets. Where do you value your time? I hate working at Subway. Um, God, did I hate it. Um, There's no real hierarchy there because like it's more fast food. So you kind of like, and Subway, you just do everything. Um. The only, even and the only reason I got man, I got even offered managers because I was the only one that didn't quit. I showed up, I covered shifts, basically like I was always there. I did I did so many fucking doubles, sometimes triples, um. But I'll never forget. Like, this is an interesting question I just thought of. I'll tell you my worst fucking day I ever had on the damn job. Um, if you want to share a story, um, I'll never forget one day during the one we worked at so it was right across from the walmart in like in cedar park texas um right across from the walmart they had built in this shopping area we were right and actually it was kind of cool when you had doubles because we were sandwiched between a uh, starbucks and a fucking pizza joint so in case i got stuck with a double especially when i was getting ready to make manager i just hop up with a pizza hey can i get they knew us hey man hey guys can i get like a pizza for us over at subway real quick and they're like yeah just come back in like 10 minutes cool you know and then same thing whenever i needed to go to starbucks um I I will never forget. Supposed to have three people on the on the lunch rush because that's how busy we got. My man was only two of us. My manager wasn't answering his phone because <laughs> he fell asleep. Oh man! He had a line out the door like packed for like three hours, and I can people line out the door. They see there's only two of us. I had to take care of a catering order that was called in earlier. Ah. Uh. Yet people, it's like they forget the glass isn't reaching the fucking wall that separates the food from you. Mm-hmm. And God, the things they were saying as if I can't hear them. And then people look at me like, we're going to go. The Walmart had one inside it. People were like, oh, we're just going to go straight and go to the Walmart. I'm thinking like, yeah, yeah cool. Like your, your anger does not affect me because I'm fucking dying trying to make all these sandwiches right now. Almost lost on one guy because he literally was sitting there as I'm making his sandwich. Being like, God, these guys are just moving so slow and blah, and like bitching in front of me. And his wife is sitting there, like, I can hear his wife be like, Hey, there's only two of them. Like, he's like, It doesn't matter. I'm like, 
I did look at him. I was like, excuse me, sir. What, what, what was that? And then he, he kind of backed off luckily. So it didn't escalate, but I'm like, I did almost lose on a customer. Cause I'm like, dude, I'm right fucking here. You jackass. <laughs> Jesus. Well, people are so fucking like, it, it's weird how certain people will just revert to the worst versions of themselves when they're at a restaurant. Yeah, well, it's like because they they think there's there's so much better because they don't work there. They had their time and now they're done. You know what I mean? They they have a better job now, and it's like we are either started here or you just you lucked out and never had to work at a at a food service restaurant, whatever. The way I see it is, we're all human beings trying to make the most of what we got. We're all doing what we have to do to get by. So don't treat somebody like they're less than you. You don't know what they're dealing with. Like don't don't do that. Yeah, it's like, dude, and this was fresh. Like, I'm thinking, like, dude, in my in my head, give you guys the night over. I was out in life. I was fresh out of college with a degree. Had to move back in with my parents because I didn't have the fucking money to live on my own. Did fucking um, unpaid work on several independent films. Nothing anyone's seen. Don't fucking ask me. I don't even remember titles. Um, bunch of unpaid internships and was going nowhere, reaching a dead end. And I went. I got to do something. So I fucking accepted a damn job at Subway, start making money. So yeah, I wasn't in a great place. Cause I'm sitting there thinking like, this is my life. Like this is not what I wanted coming out of fucking high school and coming out of college. And here I am. And then I got some dude like fucking being a jackass. A lot of people being a jackass that day. Even the, I remember the comments. Cause when my boss afterwards finally answered the phone and then saw the cells we made that in that period, he was like, holy shit. And even the comments were backhanded. There were so many comments he was reading saying like, oh, they did really good, but they were moving slow. It's like, there was two of us for a lunch rush. That means someone had to kind of like, we had an alternate between meat and, you know, toasting and veggies and then ringing you out. And then I had to break away to fucking get a catering order out. I was like, a shit ton of sandwiches. Like, yeah, it was kind of, yeah, it was slow. We were both trying to like hustle to get this shit done. Damn man, that sucks. I think I think you've told me about that. Like back in the day, you were like, "Dude, you're not gonna fucking believe the day I had." I, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I I still hate. I still vividly remember that day. <laughs> Damn man. Oh, I um. So the way Draft House worked, and I I never liked this. You never knew when you were going home. You were told when you would have to show up to start your shift the when the time you left depended entirely on whether or not they needed you i worked some days that was like an hour sometimes it was like 20 minutes sometimes it was like 12 hour shifts it was fucking crazy uh the craziest day of work i ever had i remember this distinctly it was when star wars episode 7 the force awakens came out uh it was the reason i got hired i got hired in november of 2015 because they were getting bodies for the new star wars and I came in at 7 a.m. The first screening that day was 8 a.m. It was sold out shows back to back for about three months of Star Wars. People went apeshit over that movie. And understandably, too, you know, it was the return of Star Wars. I get it. But that first day, I was not prepared for for that day. Um, It started out with I had to go into the biggest theater, Theater One, and hand out pint glasses and magazines to people who had pre-ordered their magazine and pint glass with their ticket. And not everybody there had done that. Everyone who did it got a slip that said, I ordered a pint glass. 
But I had to not give pint glasses to everybody who was like, oh, cool, a pint glass. I'd be like, no, these are for people who pre-ordered their stuff. And I would get like a, well, fuck you, kind of re- kind of rebuff to that every time. And I'd be like, oh, this is great. Uh, a lot of Jedis, a lot of people in costume, a lot of nutballs. There was a Darth Vader in full Darth Vader with a like get up with an emperor. I'm like, how are you going to watch the movie in that headgear? Right. Like, do you got a movie to watch? You even sit down. Like, and uh, basically it was that I went home around 10 o'clock that night uh, after I had to see I don't like I don't want to be the guy to be like hey can I go home because that makes you look like you know you don't want to be here and you know yeah. wants to be here but I also don't want to be known as the guy who constantly has to go home but by the time 10 o'clock rolled around my feet were bleeding I was on my feet all day we were allowed one half hour break a day yeah, if at that, but by, by the time I quit the job, those were starting to go away. Oh, Jesus Christ. And uh, actually, it might not have been, it was either half hour or 15 minutes. I don't remember. Regardless, it was fucking weird. But 10 o'clock rolls around. I can barely walk. I've been running up and down stairs with popcorn and burgers and shit all day. I had fucking great calves when I was working there. Uh, I went to my manager and was like, can I, can I go home? <laughs> I can't walk anymore. I can't feel my fucking feet. Please let me go. And she was like, when did you get here? And I'm like, seven. She's like, you only been here three hours. And I'm like, no, 7 a.m. <laughs> and she's like, oh, my God, go home. <laughs> they had forgotten I was there. I just got molded into the late, to the late shift and nobody knew I was still there. So I just kept working because it was like my second month. I wasn't confident enough to be like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> That is insane that they just don't have set hours for people. They don't. It's wild. You can show up and be like, they'll be like, hey, we don't need you. You can go home. And other times it'll be like, you, you, we need you until, you know, somebody called out sick or we got way more people in theater five than we thought we'd have. We need you. And I just keep working till some manager's like, oh, you're still here. Oh, get out of here. Like there's never a plan. It's always just like, oh, shit, we didn't let them go home. Go home. Like I hated that. It was so unorganized. That is terrible management, and that is a management issue that needs to get fixed. I'll never forget the day I got a raise. And that was, that should have been a great day, but the way it was handled was like, ah, oh, this is this is demoralizing. I got called into a meeting, again, at like 8 a.m. on my day off. Thank you so much for that. And um, my manager came, I, I went into the office, and my manager was like, hey, man, I just want to let you know that you are so, so good at this job. You're reliable. He actually told me I was the gold standard that he holds the rest of the support team to. And I'm like, shit, man, thank you. And he wrote down a number and he's like, what do you think of that? And slid it to me like it was the Wolf of Wall Street. And it was plus 25 cents. And I'm like, oh, wow. So now I'm making $7.50 an hour. This is this is amazing. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> Are you serious? All that yeah. phrase, man. Look at that big guy. I didn't get a promotion. I got like a little bit of a bump to of you know, a little bit, you know, a little bit more of nothing is still nothing. <laughs> it, oh, that's the thing with uh, not just you know, a lot of jobs in America will do that. Show that they're like, do you want to raise? We got you. You've been working hard. You are giving it all. You're the gold standard. Here's a ten cent raise. Like no motherfucker. I give me like a twenty five dollar raise at a minimum. Like, yep. Like, give me something. Like, look, it's called I need to live to fucking 
I need to, I need this money to live asshole. Yeah. And I did, I gave a, I gave it all to that job. I gave my, you know, physical health. Cause it was intense, like up and down stairs all day, holding a lot of shit, mental strength. You know, you got to remember the number. You can't take the ticket with you. You got to remember the seat number, the aisle number, the theater number, which is crazy. <laughs> you know, so, and I just, you know, I never complained. I did it like to the point where I was like bleeding. My feet were bleeding. And I just continued because I was like, I got, you know, I'm going to, it's my job. I'm going to do it right. And what did that get me? 25 more cents. God damn. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, yeah. Like in my, in, I know in like my case, that's the worst, right? There's plenty of other shit that would happen at that fucking server I worked there of people just not being great. Like, I don't like the presentation of the sandwich. Make it again. Oh, can you? I just saw you do like five sandwiches. Take those gloves off and like demanding how they want you to do your shit. I believe last week I promised to tell the story of the time we had to call the cops. I just remembered I I almost didn't tell that story. Okay, here's a here's a banger. So we had at, at Draft House, there's a very enforced policy where if you talk during the movie or you cause a disruption, we kick your ass out. No refunds, no questions. I love that policy. It's why I love that theater. Uh there's nothing you can be that's worse than a movie talker, in my opinion. Like you're scum. But um, this um, this guy wanted he wanted a special order that we would we wouldn't do. He wanted us to take the mozzarella sticks and crumble crumble them into a cheesesteak. So like that would be the cheese on the cheesesteak. And we were like, we don't we don't do that. And he went from zero to a hundred really quickly. It went, you know, it was, can I get that to, what do you mean you don't do that? This place is horseshit. I want my damn cheesesteak. Like, it was immediate craziness. Like, that was the straw that broke the camel's back of this guy's day. Jesus Christ. And he started, like, threatening people. We tried to throw him out of the movie theater, and he got very belligerent, and the GM called the police. The cops came eventually. Great response time. And basically, like, escorted this guy out as he is screaming the most insane obscenities and threats at our general manager who just took it like a champ. She was like completely unfazed, but I got put on like crowd control because I had to tell the people coming in to see movies because this guy's freaking out in the lobby. I had to tell people like, Oh no, we're handling it. We've, we've alerted the authorities. We're handling it. It's okay. It's okay. Go see your movie. Theater two. Go see your movie. <laughs> like we had to, I had to be the person to like tell them like, don't worry. No, nope, nothing's going to happen. What's going on? Go watch your scary movie now. Which was just crazy. I had one person be like, you know, that person's insane. And I'd be like, I know, sir. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was such a strange day. Um, yeah, never saw that guy again. He never came back with a gun or anything. Thank God. But he had that vibe of like, I will burn this place to the ground if I don't get my goddamn cheesesteak. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I luckily I never had anything happen when I was working at the one subway. The whole time. And then when I made manager, they actually moved me across the street to that Walmart one I mentioned earlier. I was the manager at that Walmart one. Um, nothing weird ever happened, but there was always like some, you know, obviously a relationship was attached between me and a lot of the workers at Walmart because of me being the manager there. And uh, one, one of my regulars was like the plainclothes security people that they have at Walmart. And for those who don't know, they have plainclothes security at Walmart. Um, in case not... No, you know. I remember one time they come in, like usually they come in, like just you know to shoot the shitty the sandwich and tell me about. Usually get the, like the juicy shit on the you know they've seen at Walmart happen at Walmart, 
And then one day out of the blue, they come in hot. Like they're looking around. I'm like, what the fuck? They're looking in my trash can. And finally, one of them was like, hey, like, hey, Caleb. I'm like, hey, what's up? They're like, uh, they're like, hey, did you see anyone come in here and throw something into your trash can? Like a, with like a Walmart bag? I was like, no. They're like, I'm like, what's going on? They're like, someone's trying to, looks like they tried to steal something. They're trying to like hide the evidence and come back later. I'm like, are you fucking serious? I'm like, yes, <laughs> we're looking for it right now. <laughs> That's hilarious. A crime of the century right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, it, it, it was kind of fun, you know? Um, I was there on the front lines when I, when Bluebell had to recall their shit. And, um, cause like where I was at and where the suburbs at, like I could see where they stocked the Bluebell. And like I looked out one day and it was gone. I was like, I asked, and the managers for that store would come in. So just obviously always come in to grab like Subway or just talk or whatever. Um, they come out, they came out. I was like, hey, what happened to all the Bluebell? They're like, oh, you didn't hear? I was like, no. Like, yeah, they had to recall it. We had to get rid of all of it. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I always thought it was funny how that did impact the company in the slightest. They had like a two-month setback, and everyone's like, where's our ice cream? Oh, yeah. I remember I saw them. I was still there long enough when they were restocking that shit. And I remember when they were restocking it, I looked, and there was a crowd of people just fucking grabbing Blue Bell out of the freezer real quick. I was like, Jesus Christ, guys. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, okay, I got one. There was a, um, I didn't witness this, but apparently it happened like right after I'd gone home. But the next day I had like four different people tell me about it. Um, there was this guy, I won't name him just in case this comes back to him. I don't know if he wants this heard, but he was, uh, another guy on on my team on the the food runner team who I I liked. We got along well. He's a nice guy. Um, his ex-girlfriend showed up to the theater with another guy just to show off like look who i got look i'm happy now asshole and uh he didn't take it well uh he walked over to them and threw a milkshake at them in the lobby and uh while that may have been you know personal to him to the manager and to everybody else an employee of alma draft house chucked a milkshake at a customer (laughs) god damn it he was fired immediately and i never saw him again god (laughs) Yeah, no, I, yeah, luckily nothing crazy. I remember like the last big thing when I was like, I was kind of putting in my thing to be like, hey, I'm leaving so I can join the military. Um, was there was an ongoing feud between who was going to fix my floor at my subway I managed in the Walmart because Walmart was like, well, that's not us because it's subway. It's always like, yeah, but we're in your store, so that's you. And it was like, it was a big, it was a big fucking thing as the floor they're arguing about it as the floor was like unbuckling. Oh my God. And we coming ahead. I was, I watched usually old people, unfortunately, constantly trip on the damn thing. And they look at me like, who's the manager? I was like, right here, this jackass. (laughs) And like, I was was like, it's, it's a big back and forth right now. It's getting worked out. Still waiting on it. All right. I got. The most embarrassing day of my life at Draft House. I couldn't believe this happened. It's like the, the plot to a sitcom. I can't believe this fucking happened to me in, in real life. I spilled wine on the child of a corporate person. Oh, yeah. There was a corporate lady there checking things out. They would happen every couple months. They were seeing a jungle book or some shit. And she took her son. She was in the bathroom. I showed up to deliver a glass of wine. 
or no, I showed it to deliver fried pickles and I accidentally knocked over her glass of wine onto her son and was like, oh boy, I'm so sorry. I went to get napkins and like a towel and cleaned it up. And like when I came back, she was there and I didn't know she was corporate. I was just like, I'm so sorry, miss. And she's like, oh, it's okay. You know, accidents happen. And I was like, ah, I was embarrassed. And you know, I was like, ah, I wish I had spilled wine on that kid. A few minutes later, my manager walks over and was like, do you know who that was? And I'm like, no, getting really worried. <laughs> and she's, he said, she's corporate. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And she's like, he's like, you're probably fired. <laughs> I'm like, I hope not. Jesus. And the next day, she came back to the theater, found me, and was like, hey, you know, just wanted to let you know, you handled it like a champ. There's no hard feelings. It's okay, really. I'm like, She was really nice, but I just felt like shit. So I'm like, I'm probably getting canned over this. I like how your manager is just nonchalant. You're probably going to get fired. Out yeah, of my he, hands. He was looking at me with this smile like, I can't believe you did that, you poor son of a bitch. <laughs> oh... No, luckily I got nothing embarrassing. I do remember one time I had like after a long after a while I stopped caring about like customers' needs. If I'm being completely honest, when I was working, so I became like the, the cooks and waiting. I just did not care. Um, and I remember this one guy. He's making a sandwich and he went to fold it, and that shit was starting to come out of the sandwich, which is like a big no no. And um, he he was like Caleb, and I was like what? And I looked, and I was like oh, and I, he's he's looking at me like what do I do? I looked at her. She wasn't looking. I said, I looked at her and I very quietly went, wrap it up. <laughs> he ordered it to go. So I was like, wrap it up. She's not looking. And he goes, okay. And he hurries up and wraps it and puts it in before she sees. And I'm like, good job. That's that's great. I love, yeah, <laughs> those last few years or days where you're like, I don't fucking care. Yeah. Oh, dude. I, all I think is like, she's going to be really upset when, um, she opens that at home because I was like, oh, not redoing that. Um, <laughs> most, most scandalous thing that ever happened was um, I was manager when the thing with uh, Jared went down. Oh. Uh, for those for those who don't remember, Jared was the face of Subway. Jared liked children too much. And Jared had a large file on his computer of his like of children too much. And when that happened and he was arrested for it, I got a text from my GM or my area manager. I was I was GM, area manager, going, anything, Jared, take it down <laughs> now. God, you guys had your own, like, fucking sandwich 9-11 with that. Yeah. Yeah, I had customers being like, hey, what are you doing? Because I had to pull a ladder out to get the shit off the board. And I'm like, oh, anything with Jared has to come down. They're like, why? I was like, just look it up on the news. And then one person behind, I think one person behind the customer's like, oh yeah, he's he's arrested for this. So like, oh shit. I was like, yeah. He's not the face of Subway anymore. I can't imagine that. That's wild. Yeah. And then I ended up actually throwing away one that we had it, we were supposed to use. I just never owned up to it. I took the one down, put a new one in, and it was like going through the old boards. Because see, every so often those boards you get new ones to fucking replace with shit. And we would just have a horde of old ones. So as a manager, I was like, let me clean some stuff up. How's that sound? You know, we got limited space. So I'm like, I oh, don't need that. Don't need that. That's old. That can go. That can go. Their way. And then like one day randomly, I was like, hey, where'd some, uh, where'd this one specific one they were looking for? Hey, they're like, where'd it go? And as soon as I said it in my head, I went, oh, fuck, I threw that away. And I just turned around out loud and went, I don't know. Where did it go? <laughs> 
I remember one time. Remember my remember my incident with evolution where I got terrified at the blue monkey and ran out of the theater. I remember you've told me this story. Yes. I've I witnessed that happen to a kid. At, oh, you <laughs> It, it was a movie, I think it was, it might have been The Jungle Book. I think he was terrified at, at Shere Khan and the tiger roared. And I saw this, I heard this like, ah, and this, I saw this kid, I was in the pit, like, you know, fixing something. And I saw this kid bolt past me, followed quickly by his mom. And I remember thinking like, ah, oh, he had a blue monkey moment. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he had his blue monkey. We've all got our blue monkey. For that kid, it's the tiger from the Jungle Book. Oh, oh poor kid. Uh, but yeah, that's some of the fun-filled stories of our time and working food. I'm sure. I feel like anyone that works in food, it's just like it's like you. If you ask them just for one story, you unpack so much trauma. It's yeah. like it's like people who are in a frat that don't realize how traumatized they were until after they start talking about it. And they're like, oh, oh my god. It's the same thing with food. Same thing. Yeah, that was a fun walk down memory lane. I enjoyed getting to reminisce about that. Those it was good times. Yeah, and now let's get back to an even better time with this film, which at least gives us ninety minutes for those who can really relate. I'm just going. Yep, I remember that. I remember that. That's really funny. And let's really get into the making of it first with our development hell. So there wasn't a lot, but I got some stuff before we. It's a quote unquote the money shot, which catch quite a bit. Um, so the reason this film seems so realistic and like spot on with its take is because the idea for this film would come from writer director Robin Kittrick. Uh, he worked in a row chain restaurant near downtown Orlando, Florida, three years prior to writing the script. So that's why it feels so realistic. The guy had he worked that. That was what he did before he broke into Hollywood. Um, if his name doesn't sound too familiar, because I know it's just a writer director, uh, he pretty much did this movie. He wrote Still Waiting, which was a sequel no one really liked. And since then, he's mostly focused on script writing. He usually pops up as a screenwriter. And I don't think he's really directed a whole bunch since Waiting, but I know he has a lot. Of, uh, he has a lot of writing credits to his name. Yeah, it was pretty obvious that he worked in a restaurant. You don't come up with this shit if you haven't. Like this is you know an experience that happened to somebody. You can tell. Oh yeah. And that's why I say like it's an experience that happens to someone and again not to like defend some obviously a lot of the more dated things in this in this movie but I look I'm not going to be surprised if a lot of that stuff with the homophobia and like the use of the um you know obviously the effort and the overt um and the and the penis game and the penis game um, if a lot of that wasn't taken from his time working in a restaurant at that time period, would not be surprised. Considering how realistic this is, he was clearly, and I think he said he drew a lot from his time working at that restaurant. Oh, dude, I worked at Draft House, you know, starting in 2015. I still heard all that shit in the in the back in the kitchen. That hasn't been, you know, censored. Come on. Yeah, no, especially like cooks, they don't. I'm telling you, cooks are a different breed of people. <laughs> they don't care. Um, so that's how this that's how this started, and why again it's so realistic. You got someone that actually had that brain, you know, was hammering the script for a while um, before he got his chance to direct it. 
Um, so in there, and now it's just some quick small stuff. In the original version of the script, Calvin, played by uh, you know, God from Supernatural, uh, was the character who couldn't piss, and then there was a separate character named Brian who couldn't get the gore. So they said it was two separate characters, but instead, at the last minute, he decided let's just combine them into one into one of the most sad sack human beings I've seen in film in Calvin. <laughs> You know, after like watching 15 seasons of Supernatural and knowing him primarily as God, it is hilarious to see God as a cuck who can't piss in a public restroom. Yeah. And he, it's very obvious why he can't get a gore. It is, it's like he is the guy that's always, he even has it. He's like, How is it gores are attracted to assholes? I love that scene. He's like, You're such an asshole, my. How is it you get the gores? And they tell him, like, because well, he's confident, basically. Like, yeah, looks obviously go, what? to an extent but he's confident and there's a lot of confidence there because you're not confident calvin you're constantly doing this are you okay are you all right it's annoying it shows weakness not to sound like a macho alpha milk because i'm not fucking that at all it, it shows weakness it's true but also just to be throw a little realism on this shit sandwich you can be the most confident human being on earth but if you look like ryan reynolds you can fuck anything that moves also true he has the benefit of being extremely handsome and extremely confident. He's winning. Yeah, he's won at life. I mean, just look at where he is now. Yeah. Look at his wife. Look at his look at some of his exes. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, yeah, but it is true. You know, the more confident you are, the more chance you have of attracting somebody. If you're a sad sack who can't piss in public, you're probably not. You know, what yeah. do you bring to the table? And he was clearly getting cucked by a fucking the chick you're into. Yeah. <laughs> I love when he's like, what was it? Christy or whatever her name was. And he's like, oh, she, she had me covering her shift so she could date the guy. This other guy. I'm like, why are you trying to get with her, man? Why would you accept that? God, dude. Have believe in yourself a little bit. A little bit. I do like how they just generally do try to help him at several points. <laughs> I kept thinking he was going to end up banging Anna Ferris. I know, right? I was like, is he going to bang her at some point? Like, she, they were going to wake up in bed and she'd be like, she would start screaming. <laughs> like, no! <laughs> I didn't like when Justin Long and like Ryan Reynolds start going in on him together. And they're like, God, it's the same story with you, Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's every character in this movie represents a very specific type of person we've all met before or worked with. Yep. Calvin represents a very, very specific type of person. Uh, I've never liked being friends with that kind of person. Cause frankly, you know, they, they're not good at that either. No. Cause it's usually them just complaining about something and you're like, okay, shut up. In every relationship you have, whether it's romantic or just a friendship, you got to bring something to the table for the other person to want to be invested in this. <laughs> you bring nothing, Calvin. Nobody likes a chronic complainer. That can't be in put. I do like the scene when um uh the the dishwasher Bishop, that's his name, Bishop, <laughs> comes up with a solution to fix it, and he's like, "Now close your eyes. Imagine everyone around you cheering you on." <laughs> Yeah. I love all the people. Piss, Calvin. Just piss. You can do it. But then it, you know, then it it backfires when he ends up pissing his pants in front of the hot girl. 
because now he's equated his confidence problem with pissing. Way yeah. to go, buddy. You're you're gonna be a mess for a long time. Quite a while. Uh uh. Uh for the role of Danielle. Excuse me. For the role of Danielle, uh, believe her or not, because keep in mind this was 2005, so this is when she was like a reality TV queen and had been in fucking House of Wax remake. Um, oh yeah, you clicked on who I'm about to say, didn't you? I hope not. Paris Hilton <laughs> and Molly Sims were both offered the role for Danielle and refused. For those who are going, who's Danielle? That's the one Louise Huseman's girlfriend or just who he likes to bang throughout the movie is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The one that he's like, what about that? I took you to my my family's funeral. Yeah. And then you try to, you try to make me give you a hand job. <laughs> I like I that dynamic. The yeah. And the flashback of the face Louise Huseman makes when he puts his hand, her hand over it. Yeah, she's just hot, and she yeah, they're she's trying to create some substance in this relationship, but he just he doesn't care. He does not care. I like when they're doing it in the stall, and the dude busts in and takes the picture <laughs> while Calvin's trying to piss. I thought that Calvin was going to freak out and be like, "Why won't you people leave me the fuck alone?" And then he was going to be able to piss. Like I thought that was going to happen right then and there. Yeah, he pisses. Louis Guzman comes. Or he like rip he pulls he pushes open the stall door and he's like you sons of bitches I just need to piss and then he ends up like pissing on all of them. <laughs> God damn it, that would have been funny. Uh, but uh no, so obviously they're not in that. They're they both turned it down. They refused for whatever reason. Paris Hilton I guess was better than this. Uh, so we got Jordan Ladd. Uh, she got hired at the last man. She was she. I want to say that was like the peak of like when she was like really really big. Not that like Jordan Ladd's not big anymore. She still pops up and stuff. But you know this was like this and like Cabin Fever and stuff like that. So she was popping up in a lot of stuff at the time. Well, considering I didn't recognize her, you might be on something. <laughs> now, let's talk about probably the biggest casting elephant in the room because everyone likes to dunk on him. You know, he was like one of the biggest stand-up comedians for a while. In case you didn't notice, Mr. Dane Cook, the guy who is in his 50s marrying a fucking 20-something-year-old lady. Yeah, yeah, he announced that recently. He's like in his 50s, and his girlfriend, now fiance, is like 30 years his junior, and they're getting married. And yeah. Mazel tov. Age is just a number to an extent. Like, what 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 do you what what common ground are you finding with that much age gap? Personally, I think the casting of Dane Cook as a piece of shit line cook is a match made in heaven. Like, this is the role he was born to play. Look, I'm going to say it right now. I liked Dane Cook's stand-up when I was a kid. There it is. I'm putting it out there. I watched all of his stand-up specials. I thought he was hilarious. I don't remember most of it now because it's been years since I've seen it. Um, I I enjoyed quite a bit of his movies. Employee of the Month. Um, Good Luck, Chuck. Yeah. Um. I, I thought he was funny, and yeah, I actually think his cameo, which is pretty much what this is, he's actually pretty funny in this. Well, you heard it here, folks. This is the last episode of Beyond the Bad. It's been a fun ride. Uh, yeah. I- wow, that 
that's that's the hot take. That's that I'm going that's, my, that's my line in the sand. That that as a teenager, I found his stand up funny. As a fucking teenager, even as a teenager, I thought he was a piece of shit. I I never liked Dane Cook. I thought it was funny. I, I saw through his bullshit from day one. Oh, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I was laughing. I like um, him on this because he's playing a piece of shit, and when a piece of shit plays a piece of shit, you don't have to try that hard. Man, he like he fucking hurts you. I just think he's an asshole, and yeah, just look, I don't like him. Fair enough. I yeah no I I watched all his stand up when I was a kid. Um no I do think he's actually funny. That's like a lot of his shit when he's like, yes man when he when it gets you know word spreads that you know Dean's been offered the fucking assistant manager jobs. So anytime he asks for something in the kitchen, they're like, yes master, I'll get on it, master. When he like does the slave voice, when he like when he they don't want like no blue cheese on the salad or something, and he starts doing the fucking like that was it was funny, but like holy fuck was that rough. Oh yeah, it, like, it's rough, but you're like, oh god, it is kind of funny. And then I just like when he dropped the food, and he's like, oh god, they're like, what are you doing? Pick it up! And they're counting down. He's like, almost had to switch to the ten second roll. Uh yeah, it, it works. I I would. That's what that's what every asshole line cook looks like. Yeah, like the tattoos peeking out on his neck and shit, the piercings. Yeah. Um, with that the reason, I bring him up. Other than like you're probably watching this going, why the fuck is Dane Cook in this movie? Again, 2005, again, kind of put you into place. He was pretty fucking big at that time. I think he may have had like his first or second special had just launched. Like he was huge. His stand-up specials were doing fucking numbers. He was popping up in movies. Like he was, like I said, it's weird now because a lot of people are like, What are you talking about? Dane like he's literally done nothing for a long time. I'm not gonna say nothing, he's still making money somehow. But you know, yeah, you probably haven't heard of him in recent years. When this film came out, he was huge. Like the fact that they could pull in this little film, pull off getting him to come in. Holy shit! That's that is true. You know, at the time, you know, Ryan Reynolds was just the prick from Van Wilder that he hadn't had. You know, he wasn't this giant box office star like he is today. Justin Long had just done Dodgeball. Like this, these people were pretty new. Yeah, like. Literally, yeah. To keep in perspective, yes, obviously a lot of the people around Dan Cook are much bigger now. By the time he was one of the bigger names you could get. And the fact that it was even just a quick little like small role was even like, oh, not only did he accept it, it's not much of a role and he makes the most of it. Um, so yeah, it you know, just to give some perspective on like how big it was to get someone like Dan Cook in this little film. Um now also I did find this interesting. Um, as I mentioned, right, this was essentially just a glorified cameo because it told a, a total of three minutes of screen time. He's in this movie. There was no script for him. He did not get handed a script, apparently. So what he so all of his dialogue, the character name, everything he improvised on the spot. Well, he's a comic. They, you know, they, they're good at that. Uh, I, I'll give it. I'll give him the props he deserves for for this for this movie. Well done, Dane. You, I promise you, I'm not trying robbing to, bastard. I'm not. I promise you, I'm not trying to convert you to Dan Cook. I'm just saying this is some information I found in regards to his character in this film. No one can convert me to shit. God can't do it. Dane Cook sure as shit can't do it. Ah, <laughs> uh, it is an impressive thing. Like he literally just like once those allegations came out. In case anyone wondering why he kind of disappeared, 
not allegations you're thinking of, because I know obviously with the post Me Too movement, when you say allegations, that's where you assume. But no, he got in a lot of trouble because of a lot of comics coming out saying he was stealing jokes. Um, mm-hmm. and that's what killed his career. Um, you can be uh, the, you can do anything in the comic circuit. You can be racist. You can be homophobic. You can be an asshole. You can bang a child, but you can't steal jokes. <laughs> yeah, that's. A lot of comments coming out saying he was stealing jokes. Uh, that's why there's for those who watched it. Again, I know this is going to be some hot water because of what this comic did. And but back when the show Louis was on for uh, Louis C.K., that's why those whole episode where Dane Cook came in and like apologized about the itchy asshole joke because that was one of the biggest ones that he apparently saw was that Louis C.K. did a joke about having an itchy asshole. Next thing you know, Dane Cook's doing a joke about it, and that was some big that was a huge controversy because again. Obviously, we all know what we know now about Louis C.K. By the time Louis C.K., hum- even bigger comic than Dan Cook was like that. Holy shit! Like you thought Dan Cook was big, like Louis C.K. was fucking huge. So it was like a big deal that like this guy is being accused of stealing an even bigger comic's jokes, and that's why there was a whole thing with Louis C.K. on his show, and then why Dan Cook kind of disappeared. For those who are wondering, whatever happened to Dan Cook? And now we live in a post Dane Cook and a post Louis world where we don't have either one. Yeah, they both kind of lost. Yeah, do their own momentously stupid decisions that cost them their careers. Yep. One stole jokes and is now apparently marrying a, someone 30 years his junior because I guess no woman his own age wants to deal with them. We all know what <laughs> Louis did. And we all know what Louis did. Let's not... Again, I just want to give some background information for those who are probably wondering. A little extra, since there's not a lot on this development hall anyway. It's a little extra on Dan Cook. And what did we all say when we found out about Louie? We said beat it. You'll get it. If, if, if you know what he did, you'll get it. That's why I'm just looking like, God damn it. <laughs> all right. So the restaurant in this film, as you know, is named Shenanigans. And the reason they did that, and the reason it looks like a certain other named restaurant, because you're probably thinking, this restaurant actually kind of looks familiar. That's because they did actually film when they converted Bennigan's. I've never been to a Bennigan's. Well, this one doesn't exist anymore. It closed down. Well, probably, yeah. But yeah. I, there was one around here that got turned into like a, a Scottish pub called the Tilted Kilt. And now that's gone too. So like... Yeah. I remember the Tulsa care. I remember hearing about that. Mm-hmm. So I've never been to a Bennigan's. I, I honestly didn't know it was a real place after I saw it in that South Park episode where Butters was like excited to go to Bennigan's. I thought that was a made up place. Apparently it got a huge boost from South Park and then died because I've heard a lot of people say it wasn't really that good. Chain restaurants usually aren't. They don't have to put any effort into their menu. No. So that's just in case you were like, huh, this shenanigans looks oddly familiar. It's because they use a Bennigan's that was there at a time. It's no longer there. I can't remember what it got turned into. It's I, it's probably some kind of different restaurant now. They're probably Chili's or some shit. Yeah. Um, but that's what they filmed. Now, that's, that's all I got for some little stuff here and there, along with the nice little Dane Cook info. Um, now let's get to the money shot, the, 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 the meat and potatoes, if you will. Ah. <laughs> uh, so first off, let me describe the scene. Let's just fucking describe the scene. So in this movie, there's a game the gentlemen play where you have to show people your genitals, but you have to in a way that they don't expect it. They have to look at it for 
homophobic reasons. Um, we won't get into those details, but homophobic reasons. And depending on how you present it, how you show it off, dictates how many kicks to the ass you get. Um, at one point in the movie, they're asking the girl. The girl's like, you know, going on about it, and they're like, "Well, if you want to join, you can join. We're not saying you can. You can play it too." And they're going to be like, "No, you don't want to do that." Blah blah. blah. You don't want to see that. And they convince the angry one, Naomi. Or Naomi just says, "Oh, you want you want to see it?" And like, makes a big show. Naomi, the one that got angry, constantly gets angry and stuff. Hops up on her chair, pulls up her skirt, and throws some of the nastiest bush you've ever witnessed in film history. <laughs> and you get a close up. Yeah, it's aggressive. There's stuff stuck in it. Yeah. God. There, I mean, like, the guy's reaction is really funny. Like, Ryan Reynolds and Justin Long's reaction is great with the, oh, God, what is that? It's so angry. Ah, so that's the scene. The reason I bring that up is because I have quite a bit on how that got filmed. <laughs> okay. Revealed in a 2009 interview, it's so only four years later, Alana Yubak, who was who played Naomi, said uh, McKittrick asked, asked each of the actresses that he hired if they show their pubic area for that said scene for the character where they're showing to expose massive amount of pubic hair, right? No. All the actors refused. Um, Anna Ferris um, said she already did a cross shot on one of the scary movie installments and wanted to do another. I don't remember which one, but that's what she claimed. Um, Weird that like, the evidence is like we saw the movie. Yeah, I'm like, I don't recall a cross shot of Anna Ferris in either of the first two because it's not going to be in three and four because those are PG 13. I mean, there's a scene where a boyfriend eats her out in the first one, but you don't see anything. Maybe they had. Had filmed it, but then then put it on the final cut. Maybe I don't know. Whatever, it's her choice. It's her choice. By the way, she didn't want to do it, which you know, hey, you do you. You want you know, whatever. Uh, Caitlin Doubleday, who, if you're wondering, is yes the sister to Portia Doubleday, who was married to Ellen, who show is now canceled. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you're about that. The Ellen show has been canceled. Apparently, no, for I, just, I feel like is that the right Portia? It's the right Portia. I looked it up. I promise you, I looked it up because I, I clicked on. It, I was like, "Oh shit, she's related to fucking Portia Doubleday." What the hell? Mm. Like sister or cousin or something like that. I think you're thinking Portia de Rossi. She's the one who's married. Oh, to that's right. There's too many Portias. I get them all confused. There's two Portias. Yeah, it's too many. <laughs> get your shit together, Hollywood. <laughs> Either way, sister to Portia Doubleday, who's been in a bunch of stuff. So acting family ish. Uh, but she apparently like lost it and went off. And I quote saying, Are you out of your fucking mind? I'm not going to show my vagina on camera. I mean, it's not a it's not a demand, it's a it's an ask. Like, would you? Yeah, that's what's crazy. It's like he I would get it if he's like demanding like show me yeah. that vagina. But he's saying, like, would you be okay with this? And she went, Oh my god. How dare you? I am not in a porno. No shit. That's why we're asking. I bet every dude was like, yeah, I'll show my nuts. What do you need? How much you need? <laughs> right? They're like, yeah, don't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, yeah. So she she apparently lost it. Uh, Vanessa Lengies, uh, who played the um, underage um, hostess. 
uh, said she was too young. So she's like, hey, no, I'm not ready to do that. I'm not comfortable doing that. Wait a minute. Was the actress at the time actually like 17? That part, I don't know. I hope not, because oh, that would be illegal. Um, by the way, they all said no. I I don't know. I didn't look that up. I'm not sure. Look that up. I'm gonna keep talking. Okay. Um. So, Kubok obviously said she was fine with her character doing it, but that she wouldn't do it herself, and they would have to hire a body double. So that was her demand. Like, hey, okay, my character, cool. I'm cool with it. But is there any way we can body double? Because I'm not doing it. Okay. Um, Vanessa Lenges was 20 when they filmed this. Oh, okay. So she just wasn't comfortable, obviously. Probably, I, I'm going to assume this is probably one of her first gigs. Um, this type of film. So she's like, ah, I'm not just ready to do something like that. So, so, but hey, look, they had it. Naomi was cool. The actress was cool with doing it. But again, she was like, hey, we need a body double. Now, this is a low budget film, which means they probably didn't, they didn't have money for a body double. So what did they do? Well, they got. Oh, well, before I get to that, her other demand, sorry, jumping ahead, and, and why it looks the way it does on screen. Uh, her other demand was that it had to be the ugliest pubic area with cottage cheese coming out of it and paper clips hanging from it, to which the director agreed to all these demands. All right. So a bot if you need a if you need a body double, then does it really matter who does it? I mean, if you're not actually showing yours, does it matter? Well, again. None of them said that. They just said no. She agreed to it. Ubox said yes, cool. I'm cool. My character doing it, but I only if you can do a body double. Okay. Whereas there was just flat out said no. She said her character yes. You got to hire someone else though to do that. Now, oh. yeah, hire someone else and make it as gross as fucking possible. Now this is a low budget film. They did not have the money. For a body double. But they lucked out. And they went with their next best option. Because uh, he would hire a stripper from a club across the street. <laughs> He's. Yep. There's a strip club conveniently located. And a stripper more than rolling to do this shit. Um, so they hired a stripper uh, from across the street. He's pubic area. They show wearing a grotesque merkin. If you're running what a merkin is, it's a fake genital they put on people. They can do it for penises. They can do it for vaginas. Um, fake pube wig. Yeah. So movies do it all the time. So in case, so for those of you who have thought, unless you're watching porn, if you've assumed you've seen an actor that you find hot or attractive, their pubes, probably not. They're probably wearing a merkin. Um, probably won't see an actual thing. If you want to watch an actual thing, just fucking get on Pornhub. There you go. I would love if an actor did, like, a let's say a male actor, famous, did full frontal. You see everything, but they're also wearing a merkin. Like, fake pubes, real dick. Pubes. Let's <laughs> see what the hell they do in Jackass, too. Mm. <laughs> you part crabs to the party. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, if you've seen Jackass, too, you know what I'm talking about. Um. So, yeah, that's that's how they got around that. And um, they would do, you know, they obviously did a close-up. That's the shot we get. Um, Ubok thought it was hilarious. She actually wanted to see them film this. She's like, oh, my God, she, not only did you agree, you pulled this off. So she wanted to see them film it, but she wasn't allowed to because it was a closed set. So only the camera crew and essential personnel could be there that day. Director should have let her be there. 
Yeah, it, it's tough because uh, for those again, um, for those who don't know what close set, anytime nudity or sex is involved in film, they do what they call a close set. So basically, literally only the people that need to be there are there. They do it obviously to make the actors more comfortable because they're showing their their full naked bodies, you know. Um, so it's usually going to be your camera operator, your director, and that's that's probably and your actors. And that's about it. Literally, or your sound guy if they need to get you know sound, he'll be there. And that's it. Everyone else, they will be away. Um, when I did my, when I was doing like, you know, my unpaid like PA work, I did something that involved like some kind of like nudity. And I remember like they had me like post up at the house. I couldn't look at the direction they were filming. I had to look away to make sure people in the house weren't trying to look and get a peek. Um, they, yeah, they take it very, very seriously when they do these things. So, it's tough because I'm sure he would have been down for it, but they they take this so goddamn serious, especially now. Apparently, even in 2005, it's interesting because like it's going to be seen by millions of people. So like, what's I don't know. I don't. I feel like I'm treading into dangerous territory here. So I'm going to go ahead and just stop walking. So that you probably don't tread into that territory. <laughs> um, I get I get what you're saying. Yeah, obviously people want to end up paying millions. Of people want to see it on camera, but. I get it. It's. I think it's more so for the 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 comfortability of the scene of the actors, making them comfortable. Because if you're an actor, you're not really. I don't think you're really working worrying about that in the moment. You're just talking about making sure the scene is true. The scene is, you know, obviously going to connect and work. You're not worried about that at the moment. Yeah, sure. That's exactly what the stripper with the fake pubes was thinking. She probably just got extra money. She was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. She'll be some extra money. <laughs> Well, you know, it is arguably the most memorable scene in the film. It's it's a scene, and I always forget about it. And I'm watching it, I'm like, oh yeah, this scene's coming up. Oh, there it is. It's it's a disgusting scene, but hey, you know what? It's funny. Um, and then that's that's pretty much all I got. Like I said, like while the film would come and go to minor box office success, and general understands what you saw from the critics, it has since gained a a small cult following. That's how I heard about it. Yeah, I, I didn't see it in the box. I was remember I had friends be like, dude, you gotta watch waiting. It's so funny. And I checked it out, and, you know, I've you know, loved it ever since. Um, and obviously it's found of that small cult following amongst those who have worked in the restaurant industry and just who enjoy the smaller economies at times, like we talked about. Obviously, you had your big hitters. I know we've talked about four your Will Ferrell guys, your Seth Rogan comedy groups coming out, but then you had these smaller economies like this coming out that a lot of people kind of like they didn't have they never had that chance in the box house, but they became minor cult hits, and you know, you know at least they had that. I think this film should be required viewing if you're going to work in a restaurant. I think after they show you the like employee training video, you should have to watch this too. Yeah, see if you can hack it after watching this. Like this is what your life is going to be like. This is what corporate says the job is like. This is what the job is probably going to be like. So yeah. watch this. You're going to have a boss, which, oh, God, that scene cracks me up when, like, David Cagner is trying to help out with the orders and he can't do it. And Naomi just starts screaming. And the cooks all look like, what the fuck? I love a dream sequence when he's, like, trying to put out a fire. <laughs> he's like, help me! Help me! I forgot that was a dream sequence. And I'm like, whoa, they burned this place down? Yeah. <laughs> I love how he's constantly threatening to fire them. Nate, Nate and T-Dog. Nate and T- Nick and T-Dog. I like Ryan Reynolds when he's making fun of them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they're we'll get we'll get to them. 
<laughs> but yeah, that uh, you know, it luckily, you know, Mommy Kamagon when it came out, it has found its footing, it has endured not so much a sequel. That's really a that that's a true on the bad one right there. Um, but it's endured, and obviously it's a great like time capture film in its own way to see literally some of the biggest fucking names now in a film before they were big. Like I said, you know, obviously, you know, Ryan Reynolds before he broke out, just long before he got even more famous. I I would say he was kind of like known at that time thanks to things like Jeepers Creepers and other films he was in. But you know, obviously this was like right when he was really starting to get other stuff like this and accepted and really break out even more. Anna Ferris, obviously, she's probably the I'd say other than Nate Cook, one of the other bigger names they had at that time because of the scary movie franchise. You know, she had that to back her up. Even David Kettner, like he was, you know, this was short like right after Anchorman. So, you know, he was still relatively unknown, you know. He he got lucky with Anchorman than this, and he's become the comedy legend that he is now. But you know, great time capsule film, great if you want an idea of how the restaurant industry works, or if you work in it and you just want to watch something that's going to make you laugh. It's a good film to put on. Yeah, I second that. It's funny. And it's, you know, you can get past a lot of shit that today is like you know, a little hard to watch because, you know, the way society's evolved for the better. You know, if you can't deal with that, it's probably not for you. But if you can, you know, shut your mind off and just laugh at some dumb shit for a while. Yeah, put it on. Yeah. You can laugh at a bunch of dudes showing their dicks to each other. Their balls. Sorry. The balls to each other. Yeah, and one of the most epic fucking takedowns of a character in that final scene with John Francis, uh, Daly's character. Yeah, as Justin Long's character says, you know, if we can't show our cocks to one another, what are we, what are we living for? Something along those lines. <laughs> Stop moping around and get go join the military or something. <laughs> it actually is, you know. When you start thinking about, you know, well, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life, but you're not actually doing anything to change that. Yeah. Sometimes you need somebody to be like, dude, just fucking do something. Do yeah. anything. At this point, like, stop talking about, it. like, like I said, that's why I say I'd kind of fire Justin Long's character, but the difference is, like, I went, because I was at that moment in my life, I thought it was like, man, am I really, this is what I really want to do. Like, when I said that manager thing, I thought, like, I felt, I was like, oh, man, I'm making more money, I'm manager sweet. Then I had a moment, I was like, why am I happy about this? This isn't what I want to do. Yeah. And that's when I had the moment, like, what can I do? And I was like, I got to suck it up and do military. It's all I fucking got. I did. A, I had exactly the same realization about grad school. And I was just in a dead end job going nowhere, getting more responsibility with no pay increase in a company that felt like it was falling apart. And I realized like, this is, this is meaningless. Like I'm not happy. This is, Am I really? Do I want to be a manager of a company that takes, you know, that processes documents to be scanned? Really, that's the exciting thing in my life. So I bailed and I, you know, got into grad school. Never looked back. And while it hasn't yeah. been, you know, ideal, it's certainly working me towards, you know, something real. Yeah, same. Like, look, I'm, I'm, you know, I've had my, you know, my complaints stuff. So I'm not going to like just air out here on the podcast, but yeah. <laughs> it also got me in a place where I'm like, I can say like, hey, I have an idea of what I want to do, you know, on the civilian side of things again. And, you know, it's put me in a much better place than I was at. And that, you know, I can't take that away. Um, Yeah. It, but God, that, yeah, no. So I get, I was kind of like, I'm kind of with John Francis Daly. Like, stop complaining and do something, man. Um, and then, Yeah. 
we get it, Monty. You're edgy. You're cool. You're you get the quips and the wit and the wit, and you always got an answer for everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's great. It's a great flourish on the end of this movie. I do, I do like when he points to Calvin, and you, you know what? You're too easy. <laughs> he doesn't even give him anything. Calvin just kind of like yeah, and <laughs> it just looks down. <laughs> oh, but I do love out then that Ryan was like that was fucking cool. <laughs> it's like Ryan's having cracks. <laughs> Please reconsider. Like, you're a made man. You're a made man. Oh yeah, because he pulls off the goat. They've talked about the whole movie. He pulls it off. <laughs> oh my god! He looks at fucking just not you've been replaced. <laughs> <laughs> ah, all right. That's all I got for development. Although I know that wasn't a whole lot. There wasn't a lot attached to this film, surprisingly. Um, minus the whole fucking money shot, as I'm going to keep referring to it as. <laughs> um. So with that, if you're ready, we can move on to awards for this thing. Sounds good. All right. So first up, Zack Snyder. I got. No more to think on something witty to say with Zack Snyder because, well, the Snyderverse is finally dead and the Snyderverse fans are slowly going back to the holes. Um, so the Zack Snyder award or the worst scene, would you, would you come up with? You know, in the days of the pharaohs, when the pharaoh died, all of his worshippers just jumped in the tomb with him. Well, I mean, maybe we bring that back for the Snyderverse fans. <laughs> Um, so I had for the longest time, I had the scene where they, they mess with the biatches food. It's a great scene, but I just don't like thinking about Dane Cook's pubes. Uh, but then I, I changed really hurt you. I just, I can't stand it. You ever see somebody, you don't really know them that well, but you hate them on site. Yeah. He's one of mine. That's (laughs) That's how I felt about um Adam Levine from Marine Five. I just can't stand that man. The moment I saw him, I was like, I hate him. I understand. <laughs> I stand by it too. Come at me, fucking Marine Five fans. Uh, but that changed when I saw Nick and T Dog's fat rap. Oh my god, it's it's kind of a post credit scene, more of a mid credits. But yeah, their rap is fucking atrocious. <laughs> God, these two white as shit wannabe like rap gangster rappers doing their you know they're doing their hit single in shenanigans with some of the staff. Oh my god! The thing is, it keep getting thrown to get fired by the fucking manager by David Kachner. <laughs> yeah, these two dopes who are sm- like doing whippets in the in the walk in. Yeah. Fucking up all the whipped cream. <laughs> fucking Nick and T Dog. <laughs> and yeah, just like I thought we were done with these dopes, but nope, we got their magnum opus at the end of waiting. Yeah, that was uh when we heard that rap, I'm like, that was a terrible rap. Dear God. <laughs> yeah, those those guys are something else. That yeah, that's a good one. I remember I I think it was like it sounds like you also did the unraid cut on a on Prime. I, I rented the one that was on Voodoo. I guess it was, it might have been the unrated cut. I didn't check. Okay. Cause I did an unrated cut. I remember that scene playing. Cause I was like, I don't recall this in theatrical that I watched on like fucking, you know, HBO and Showtime all the time. 
Um, but yeah, I was like, this is awful. But again, like these characters are meant to be like fucking terrible. Like those two represent like just damn near every bus boy of like that person that like they cannot get any other job with this because they're so infatuated with what they think they're going to be. And it's like, dude, you're you're a bus boy at a restaurant. Like we've all got dreams, but at cert- a certain age, you re- you start to you know your dreams get smaller and you start to realize that yeah maybe that's not achievable. Maybe I'm not going to be the next Eminem. Yeah, there's. And also, don't just be the next Eminem. Just be you. I always go back to that. Like, stop trying to be the next. Eminem has secured his spot. You will not take that from him. Just be you. What was that? That was in a movie. It was like, don't be the next so and so. Be the first you. What was that? Was it a Rocky movie? It was a Rocky movie. It was. I think it was one of those music biopics in the last like five years. It could have been, or in the past years, we've had like fucking five in one year. Um. Yeah, uh, no, you can, it's like, yeah, you can either do that, or, in a way, the reverse person in this movie, David Ketchner's character, you realize your teams are not attainable, so you stay miserable at that restaurant, make manager, and call people, call the tow truck every five minutes for people that park in the wrong spot, because it's the principle of the matter, <laughs> as he was saying to the tow truck driver. <laughs> yeah, that was some petty bullshit. Also, that quote is from Fighting With My Family. Dwayne Johnson said it. Don't be the next rock. Be the first you. There we go. Hey. <laughs> the rock. <laughs> I think, yeah. I'm hoping he'll climb off that mountain once he realizes there's no way to reach the top. Yeah. Hey, rock, if you keep this up, John Cena and Dave Bautista will far surpass you for when it comes to wrestlers turn actors because uh, they've been able to move on after their movies. Frankly, in terms of diversity, you know, Versatility look, and performance, Batista's winning big time. All right, look, I know there's been making the internet rounds about Ryan Johnson saying he thinks I think it was Ryan Johnson said that he thinks Dave Batista is like one of the best wrestler turn actor. First, I'm like, well, what about I'm like, honestly, Cena and Batista are doing better shit than The Rock. I'll say it right now. I think my thing is this, and it has nothing to do with the whole black iron shit going on. And I don't think I love Drain Johnson, charismatic guy. He seems like a generally like awesome dude. He's been playing the same shit for years and doesn't do a whole lot outside of it, especially in more recent years. Um, whereas, yeah, I've seen and yeah, John Cena, he does, but to his credit, his same thing is doing comedies, and the guy's fucking hilarious, so I can deal with it. And he has shown dramatic chops on Peacemaker, um, so it, he, he has it in him, but Dave Batista. That guy can just sit there and do like the upcoming Sharmalon film, Knock at the Cabin, which looks like. He is going to be really good in that movie. It looks like in the trailers. But then do something like fucking Glass Onion or a silent row and fucking um James Bond, goddamn Inspector. Um, but then do Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, yeah, th- no, this guy has legitimate, like, decent range. Well, also, Batista and Cena have no problem being part of an ensemble and don't have to always be, you know, the biggest guy on camera, which I don't like that about Dwayne Johnson. His like, I can't lose a fight. I got to be the star thing that he's got in his contracts. I don't, I don't like that. That's a big red flag for me. Yeah. Yeah. It, he, Eagle may be getting better from more recent years. Whereas I think there are two are just, they, they're having more fun with what they're doing and it's showing in their roles. And yeah. So, cause yeah, not look glass onion. Dave Bautista is fucking hilarious in the role he was playing. <laughs> And glass onion. So, yeah. Ma! 
<laughs> you know, what did I say when I'm filming? She fucking slaps him. <laughs> ah, uh, <okay>. Anyway. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, getting back to the getting back to this though. Um, no, good scene. Uh, the one I picked, and it's only because, and this will go. Kind of, it kind of is like a. It goes into a, another award. I'll have later that we'll get to. But I put the quick little scene of Monty Ryan Reynolds' character serving and flirting with the underage female customers who, even in two thousand five, are smoking and no one saying anything in the restaurant. I'm like, look, I get this is a comedy, but like, it's two thousand and five, like. No. Yeah, everybody smokes in this movie. Every people are smoking in the kitchen. They're smoking in the dish. They're smoking in the like. Yeah, they're always smoking. Yeah, yeah, but that's not the main. The main reason is that they're underage. And again, it goes into another award. I'm going to talk about, but like, God damn it, like, stop, stop going down this route, movie. Yeah, it's. I don't know why that. That's a source of comedy. Just gross. It is really um, gross. And don't worry, like, yeah, it's Ryan Reynolds, and you would believe that a young lady would be drawn by fucking by him. He is witty, he's confident, and we talked about all that already. But can you just make them of age? Can you just make them of age? Well, even that, like you could have that, you know, that dynamic of like, here's a good way to fix this. High school girls are super into him, but he is like he is not into them at all, and he can't get away from it. Like he keeps trying to get out of that situation. But they keep get coming on to him, and every time he's like, well, "How old are you?" and they're like sixteen, and he's like, "God damn it, get away from me!" Like something like that. Yeah, like he didn't know. Like they revealed that they're like sixteen. He's like, "God damn it!" and he has to like try to get out of an awkward situation. Out that would work, and it makes because again, you got someone like Ryan Reynolds, who in this time, two thousand five, he was probably conceivably in his twenties, if not thirties, at the time. Like you could get away with that easy. Yeah, instead of just having him lean into like, "Oh yeah, eighteen's too old." Jesus Christ, man! Yeah, like oh boy, Ugh. and then like the in the lead up to this is like, hey, I got a table perfect for you, and you're like, oh god, <laughs> yeah. why and is everyone they're... cool with this? Stop being cool with it. And then they're at the party. Yeah, and everyone's oh. like, hey, you should go hit on those high school girls. Like, what is this group? <laughs> yeah, stop endorsing that. That is only of all the things you're doing. That's the most illegal thing. Stop it. <laughs> Oh yeah! Like, I, like, if cops wanted to bust this party up, you, it's one thing that you guys have weed, but they would very much be focused on the fact that there are teenagers amongst a sea of adults, and they are getting hit on amongst adult guys. Considering they brought those girls from the restaurant to the party with the intent to have sex with them, you could probably pin some like human trafficking charges on these people. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <sighs> But yeah, that specific scene again. I'll get more into this in later award. Hint, hint, on a certain other award. Uh, next up, the Ed Wood verse line. What did you pick in this movie that we can get away with saying? I have had in my time at Draft House so many employee meetings before the big shift where we have been pepped up by the management to be like, hey, you know, it's a big movie. We're all here. We're all going to help each other. Just remember. You know, get excited. That was the one. At that was ours. Get excited. Oh, God. So the line from Dan, the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is that little bit extra. It hit way too close to home. So I was like, fuck you, Dan. I don't, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Be a leader. Don't act like one. Be one. 
Just be one. It's, yeah. yeah, especially because, again, like I know we talked about earlier, when Ryan Reynolds holds his hand up and does the fucking little thing to mock him, it's like, God damn it. And then yeah, all those do is just piss everybody off because you're wasting our time. Yeah. It's like, a meeting like that has never been beneficial to anybody. No, because all it is is like, dude, you're taking me away from actually getting ready for the rush. Like, I want to get ready for the rush. Like, get the fuck out of my face. Yep. I've had, I had people, I had management managers tear us away from a fully packed theater. During the summer, we'd have like, the way we'd see the, the theater numbers is there was this little computer that had a, a, like a, you know, chart of each theater. We had six theaters. And if the chart was, if the theater's square was gray, it meant slow day. If it was yellow, it meant, hey, shit's getting big. And if it was red, buckle the fuck up. It's going to be a rough day. <laughs> and I I would have management take us away from like three red theaters. Tell us, hey, you're doing great. Keep it up. Just remember, you know, get excited. It's going to be awesome. And we'd be like, we got shit coming out. Let us handle it, please. <laughs> this is not beneficial to anyone. Oh, it, it, I hated those so much. Dude, I I hate them when I, I thought when I never did them when I was manager. I was like, guys, look, just fucking handle it, okay? Take care of the customers, let's get this done. Um, I think I did not give a shit. Um, I didn't like them myself. Uh, even without being too well, trying to be subtle without being too pointed because of the job I have now, it doesn't go away. For those who are wondering, when you leave food service, there's ways it finds its way into um other jobs. It's still not awesome. Um, I can attest to this right now um, in my job. Um, it's still not awesome the way it's happening. It's just like, okay, we can, we can handle this, like, please. Um, yeah, it's like you just sit there and you're watching this and you're like, yeah, they can handle it. What I love, too, is that the film even shows you these managers that are like that, that talk that big game, like, hey, we got this, blah, blah, blah. They are incompetent as fuck when shit hits the fan because we get that great fucking scene where he's trying to help get orders out. And he's like getting confused. And he's like, who, who, who had this? Who can even read these? He's like fucking with orders. And Naomi just loses her shit. And he's like, get the fuck out of the way. I can do this. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. And then he screams at Nick and T-Dog because he's got to get some power back. <laughs> yeah. Because he got fucking put in his place by the worker who, no, to put the thing in, knows it by hand. Because like, also in the movie, it's actually that these, these, right? You know, for all this fucking round and bullshit they do, they're good at what they do. Like, you see a lot of them be able to take orders without even writing it down because they've been doing this so long. They just, I've, I've seen it in real life when I've gone to places where waiters can just, like, you tell them and they just fucking get it without writing a thing down. It's beyond impressive, actually, and honestly. And they, they know what the fuck they're doing. And the last thing they need is an incompetent fucking manager getting in their way. Like, look, it's okay if you're the manager and you, you can't do that anymore. Be useful somewhere else, though. Finally, would be useful. Yeah. If anything, that movie taught me Naomi should absolutely be the manager of this place. Yeah, because she knows how to get shit done, and apparently, she's just she would have to work on her anger issue. But as as Bishop learned, <laughs> don't bring that up. Yeah. Well, they all, you know, all the wait staff respects her. Like you know, they she's one of them. She knows how the place operates. She can use that anger for good. Like. She should be running that place. Oh, yeah. I, I, I still laugh at that scene when Bishop's like, no, me. I've been thinking about your anger and how to solve it. And he goes, I, I do that for you. And he's like, oh, really? You would, you would do that for me? Yeah. He goes, man, Bishop, that's really nice. But why don't you just shut the fuck up 
and clean the fucking dishes. <laughs> we know for your psycho babble bullshit. Like Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah, great bit. But yeah, I just I hate, you know, team building meetings where they're like, you know, buck up, guys, you know, put on that, you know, insert restaurant name here, smile. Right. Get ready to get shit on by rude customers because for every nice one you get, there's fucking assholes. Whoever coined, the term, whoever coined the term the customer is always right should be drawn and quartered. Yeah, that person is horrendous human being. The customer is not always right. And I think I absolutely stand by and I say this because I am nice when I go. I am not rude to the wait staff or any food person I, I deal with. I'm always nice and respectful because they deserve that. So I stand by the fact that they should absolutely be allowed to put you in your place. Yeah, we're all people. We're all, you know, just doing our thing. Like, why? Yeah, I'll never. I I would never yell at somebody like that. I I hate people who do. To me, that's a great example of somebody's character. If they're rude to a waiter, they're a piece of shit. I dude, I I follow the rule of like, especially obviously, you know, you hear when it comes to like dating, right? I I will any person I'm you're gonna be friends with or you know prospective relationship you know ha- what have you I'm paying attention to how you treat weight stuff I'm paying attention to how you treat kids I'm paying attention to how you treat pets yep that's a three golden rules right there yep that for me especially as someone I don't have kids of my own I I've been blessed you know recently this year with uh, being an uncle for the first time so I have that going for me uh-huh. you were gonna say like I've been lucky thus far I don't have kids. I thought that's where you were going. I mean, blessed. I mean, <laughs> no offense to those of you who have kids, but come on. I am 30 <laughs> and loving life, kidless. <laughs> Just saying. Um, but as someone who does have pets, you know, I got a dog and cat that I live very dearly. And again, someone who has worked in food service, yes, I'm paying attention to those things. Like if you're treating those, you know, innocent child, innocent animal, and fucking weight stuff, people who are. Not getting paid, not even getting paid minimum wage at a restaurant. They're handling your food and trying to give you a good experience. You treat them like shit. You are a fucking asshole. Get out of my life. Yeah. Well, it's good. Yeah. Good to have those have those guidelines. Yeah. Look, I gotta have guidelines somewhere. I don't have a lot. I have somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Now, thinking of that date, that the. Of talking about dating and my guidelines for how I follow when it comes to people. It's a great segue to my line, um, which comes from Ryan Reynolds, actually. Um, look, I'll say right now, Ryan Reynolds is not as funny as he is in this movie. He's the person you don't actually want to be friends with in real life. And this is one of the reasons why. He likes to talk about his prowess with sleeping with mostly underage women. Um... And has all the advice and stuff to give you. And one of the things he decides to impart that I, I immediately wrote down because I'm like, oh, this is anyone who says this, there's a reason you're single. Um, and that's when he says one of the most it just kind of sexist thing when he goes, That's the problem with women. They're always trying to protect their values on you. Like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> this Ugh. is why you're single. This is why you can't get a woman your own age. Because you have this weird belief. Are we surprised that the guy who's openly fucking teenagers does not have the best thoughts on women? <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah, he's just gross. Yeah. Like, look, if you're that person saying something like this, I don't feel bad for you being single. One bit. You deserve it. Because if you truly believe that any woman that you're being friends with, dating, what have you, or even dude, you know, 2022, significant other in general, they're trying to project stuff on their values onto you. No, no. And even then, a point of a relationship should be, hey, you do maybe take some good things from your partner that you maybe didn't think of. You know what I mean? That That's just a good fucking relationship. Yeah, I think every relationship you have, whether it's with family, friends, romantic, you should take a little something from that person and add it to yourself. People, you know, it's a give and take. Every relationship is a give and take. If you're getting nothing and you're taking nothing and you're just remaining the stubborn piece of shit that you are your whole life, if you have no growth as a human being, seek help. <laughs> yeah, look, if you're a guy like Ponty, and you clearly probably don't cook for yourself or bother with cleaning because those are womanly things to do. Um, again, if you're a guy like Monty, not me, guy like Monty. <laughs> and then let's say you start dating and she's bitching at you to do your own laundry and clean the fucking house and help with dishes. It's not her projecting her values on you. It's her trying not for you to actually be a self-sufficient fucking human being. Yeah. Yeah, you're a relationship is not, you know, she's not your mommy. <laughs> like, it's you as a grown-ass human being and, you know, the other person as a grown-ass human being. Being grown-ass human beings together. <laughs> yes. And the reason I use that example is because that's anarchic. When someone, a guy especially says something like that, there's a good chance they believe in traditional gender roles to a very big extreme. Traditional gender roles can go straight to fucking hell. All of that bullshit means nothing. I know. I'm just saying, based off that line, that that line tells me if it was a guy in real life, obviously this is a character. I doubt Ryan Reynolds believes any of this shit because it seems to Blake Lively have a great marriage. Um, but based off like that line and people I have don't met in real life and things like that, it's not surprising if yeah they're having issues dating women. That's why they date people way you know huge age gaps usually, and they're not the most self sufficient dudes out there. Yeah, yeah. I think so, Ryan Reynolds is, you know, the secret villain of waiting. The more we look into him, the more we're like, this guy's a monster. Yeah, it. Like I said, it it works oddly enough because it. it uh, I hate to say it, but it, like it works in the sense that it's Ryan Reynolds. So there's that that Ryan Reynolds charm that you're getting, and this is like I said, it's coming off of Van Wilder and some other stuff he did. But I, he does play a pretty skeezy character in this movie. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um yeah. Yeah. On that note, uh let's talk about performances and the Steven Cigar worst performance. Well, I'd like to preface this by saying that I don't think there's any bad performance in this movie. I think everybody's doing really well with what they've got. I think all the characters are realistic and they pop and they're memorable. So I had to really nitpick this one. Uh and ultimately I gave it to Ryan Reynolds. You know what's funny? I did too, because I have the same. <laughs> I had the same thought. I'm like, look, everyone's actually really good in this. Like, performance wise, no one's like, you know, going, oh, I got this stupid little low budget comedy. Like, everyone's like, no, I'm going to give it my all and do my best. And they do, they commit. And I did the same thing. I nitpicked and I went with him because of things we've kind of already discussed, if I'm being completely honest. 
Well, there's that. There's the despicability of the character, but also for me, it's the same shtick. Like he's not doing anything differently. This is Van Wilder working at a restaurant. <laughs> like, yeah. Except there was a lot of that Van Wilder stuff worked better in the college setting. Weirdly enough. Yeah, like it took for me, like it took Deadpool really to show me what Ryan Reynolds can do because he's been this for so long that like I just got used to it. You know, he was, you know, Green Lantern was Van Wilder as a, as a space superhero. Fucking Just Friends is, you know, Van Wilder as a fat guy. Like it's, I mean, it's, it's he, the same even to an extent, Deadpool, he's not really doing that much differently. He's still doing a lot of his stick. True, but, but the character is, is built like that. Yes, well, and that's because they started to the characters are like built like that, and then like they, I know there's like Marvel Comics started having fun with it, and would make Ryan Reynolds references in the Deadpool comics before he even was attached to the movie. Um, so then there was that aspect of them kind of playing into it, like, oh yeah, Ryan Reynolds would be perfect if we ever got this into a movie. Um, so yeah, I look like, and I'm not saying that's a dig. Like, it, I'm just saying like, yes, to an extent, Deadpool is Ryan Reynolds doing his same old steak. I'd say the only difference is that in both the first Deadpool and the second Deadpool, he adds a little bit more actual like emotion to it um, that works. Yeah. There is some emotional stuff between him and obviously the Marina Baccarin's like, story that adds a little bit more emotional depth to it. Um, something that was, to me, further exploring stuff like the Adam Project. Um, then him actually trying, actually kind of switching up his comedy a bit for Free Guy you know, actually kind of playing with it more, but for the longest time, yes, he did play the same old shtick and everything. No, no, he's good at it. He is great at it, but it's like, come on, man. Well, I just think that Deadpool was kind of the tipping point. Like, there's for me, there's a pre-Deadpool and a post-Deadpool Ryan Reynolds. Mm -hmm. Pre-Deadpool was very much Van Wilder, and post-Deadpool, I think he has been more experimental with the stuff he's picked, you know, like that movie Life. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit different. Like, he did a movie called Selfless with Ben Kingsley that was pretty good yeah so i think that you know he's he's trying a little harder now which is which is good because yeah. for the longest time it was just the same bolt the same dumb bullshit every movie <laughs> you know you know what i liked him in and i'll say it right now i actually don't mind this movie in our hot take i have a lot of hot takes today apparently when it comes to movies um when he was in the amityville remake hmm. amityville horror from 2005 he, Serious the whole way through was, you know, he played um George Lutz, so he was the one that got possessed and started going apeshit on the family. I gotta say, one, I actually don't mind that movie, because, let's just be honest, the original, it's a decent enough movie. I'm saying this as I own the 4K of it from Vinegar Syndrome, I'm aware, but it, it's not the best horror film out there. Let's, let's just be honest with ourselves right now. Um, The remake, it's not that bad. I don't see why people hate it. Um... I think it's pretty good, and like he's a big reason why I like it. I actually think for it was a it was a case of him going outside his comfort zone, outside his box that he's known for. And I thought he did really well, but he had that stick built up for so long that no one gave a shit. They were like, "Well, oh, we don't want you to do that, dude." It's kind of like when you know Ashton Kutcher did the butterfly effect. I was like, "Oh, we don't want that." Mm -mm. I'm like, "Yeah, but I I thought he was actually really good in that." I'm like, God damn it! Yeah, funny man fall down. We want more of that. Funny man, make jokes. Don't get serious on us. <laughs> I'll give you the performance. Ryan Reynolds, I do think, is pretty decent in Amityville as as George. I think it's a different, it's a change of pace. It's a different animal. I don't really care for the movie that much. I thought the movie was kind of, you know, basic shit. Not really anything special. 
then again, I also think that about the first movie. Like, it's a cool enough story. I think the book is creepier than the movies have ever been. It's probably all bullshit. I mean, if, if we're being honest, like, the whole thing is more famous for if it's real or not than any of the actual content. Yeah. Um, no, I look, I look, I understand that when it comes to the remake, I'm kind of on an island with that one. I'm like, eh, I guess watch it at the right time. Because when I was like, you know, seeing Van Rodder, seeing this, I was like, oh, Ryan Reynolds, what's this? And I watched it and I liked it. And like I said, like, I think my the scene that really sold me in that for him in that movie was like when he's like chopping wood and like his he got pissed at one of his sons and he's just like brings him in and he's like, want to help me chop the wood? And like he's just like in his face doing it, and you're like, oh shit, what's about to happen? Like there's a certain like like he can do it. He can actually like if he tries, get out of his comfort zone and get kind of creepy there. But again, you know, it wasn't too long ago. He was like, Okay, let's go back to aha comedy because that's what people want me in. Yeah, you got to pay the bills, you know, do what's comfortable. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's why I put him, you know, on mine. It's just to make sure of like we're seeing the same old, same old, but it's just that added layer of just kind of like just skeeviness because they just picked the plot line that they picked with them. Yeah, I wonder, like, did that go through any different inter- like iterations where they're like, all right, so we got this really funny guy. And he's going to quip the whole time thinking we get Ryan Reynolds for this. But get this. He fucks teenage girls and he's constantly bragging about it. Ah, isn't that hilarious? And about every producer was like, yeah, that's that's hilarious. Very relatable, actually. Yeah. Instead of, like you said, doing something like what your ideal are, maybe focusing on him and Anna Ferris's whatever that was relationship. Or just make the, like you said, just make the girls 18. Yeah, just make them of age. Like, it's funny because there's plenty of movies I've watched where, like, you, like, Grandma's Boy, where you have a character that's sleeping with a much older woman. That doesn't skeeve me out, though, because you guess what? An older woman's still of age. It's legal. It's not weird. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, they're both consenting adults in this case. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. You know, 18 plus, you know, if it's like, you know, a 19 year old and like an 80 year old, it's a little weird, but. As long as both parties are consenting, I really don't care. Yeah. But the moment you get you start dipping below 18, you're like, haha, and using it as a joke. It's like, okay, here we go. I mean, they could have done the perfectly reasonable approach and had, you know, Ryan Reynolds pull out a legal document that says, like, oh, I knew her when she was when when we were both 16. So it's totally cool. Like, I've known her since I was a teenager, so I can bang this girl. It's totally okay. Romeo and Juliet law. Thanks a lot. Fucking Transformers and Michael Bay and apparently Texas, if that law does indeed ex- ex- exist. I think it does. I will never I will never understand why that took so much screen time away from the big robots in Transformers Age of Extinction. Because it's, it's Michael Bay directing Transformers. And apparently a state that's A-OK with that. Hey, as long as Texas has its guns, right? <laughs> Uh, gotta get uh, <laughs> speaking of which, the Michael Bay. Yes. Ah, that was, decision? I was not intending that transition, but hey, 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 you know, make I had I had to take it because I was like, I think we we both agree with Ryan Reynolds, unless you have more to say about why you picked him for worst performance. I do not, but he does play into my Michael Bay award. <laughs> I have a feeling yours too. I have a feeling we're about to really match up on this one. Yep. Why? Did anybody think it was a good idea to make Ryan Reynolds a statutory rapist in this movie? Yeah, that was mine. Pretty much like same thing. I just heard it like having the entire storyline dedicated to 
you know, him sleeping with an underage woman. Like, yeah, why was that was one thing that I forgot about because I hadn't seen this in a while. So I was like, oh yeah, let's put this on a show. I remember really liking this movie. I was, I was like, so funny, so funny. And then I was like, oh shit, he sleeps with underage girls. And I'm watching. I was like, oh no, this, oh my god, this is a plot line. Oh no. I know. I kept thinking like this could have been a film gasm. This isn't that bad. And then that happened, and I'm like, nope, it's on the right show. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we put Hollywood's embarrassments. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. Yeah, it's like ah, uh, and no one. It's it's like I couldn't find no one. Like was like had a moment like, hey, wait a minute, because this isn't like this is not like a Michael Bay film or Scorsese. You can say this is a fucking up and coming first time art director no one was like hey man why are we doing this why are we having this storyline like can we like rework this storyline weird that reynolds didn't say something like hey man do i have to play it this way (laughs) yeah like you would think like again based off what i've heard i've heard he's a pretty like i've heard a lot of great things about ryan reynolds if i'm being honest from you know uh from people i'm surprised he hasn't he didn't like say anything unless he did and they just shot it down because he was like again, not really necessarily like Ryan Reynolds like he is now. True. No, he wasn't a billion dollar box office guy yet. He was literally the the guy who did Van Rollo, and that was like it. <laughs> yeah, just a weird cloud hanging over this movie of like you know you got the homophobia over here, but then this much bigger cloud of statutory rape, which is like why is this here? <laughs> yeah, I'm like look. I hate to say it, but early 2000s comedy kind of expect the homophobia. I'm like, well, that that's an expected cloud. Like, that's let's a just rainy day. You get your jacket for because you're like, it's probably gonna rain today. I know what yeah. I mean. Like any 2000s and earlier comedy, there's a good chance that's gonna be in the movie. Like you should just know that's probably gonna happen. <laughs> but then the movie goes. Also, by the way, in case you were wondering, there's also statutory rape plot line. For the whole hour and a half. And you're like, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. But I don't forget the one cloud that I'm expecting. Why did you do this? Why did you add the bigger second one? <laughs> I prepared for rain, not fucking hail. What is wrong with you? <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Oh, God. That, yeah, it. Mm. Just a weird decision. Just a weird decision that this film really commits to. Um, and then when they try to do that thing at the end, with because he tries to sleep with the hostess all the time. Hostess is supposed to be a teenager. She's seventeen, going on eighteen in a week. Yeah, one line I I almost picked was when he's like, she says, uh, "By the way, I'll be eighteen next Wednesday," and he's like, "Well, then I better hurry up. I'm almost out of time." Like. Oh my god! I almost put the part where he's like, "I'm a pervert that doesn't offend you." When he was like jokingly saying, it, "I'm like, oh, like even joking, that's just oh god." I love also at the end when Mitch is like, "Also, why aren't you in jail?" <laughs> yeah, I, that I would say I was like, "Okay, someone said it." I forgot about that, Mitch. <laughs> so why aren't you in jail? <laughs> oh. I did, uh, yeah, because the film you get this moment where the film's like trying to like paint him as a good guy thing because he doesn't sleep with the hostess. Like he has that moment of like, I can't do it, and you're supposed to be like, oh, finally. I'm like, no, this should just be like he should never have had this fucking epiphany. Like he has done it. This is not like 
This is not the redeeming moment they want us to think it is. Yeah, like he should even have this epiphany. Why is he having this? You kill three people and then you don't kill the fourth. You are not all of a sudden a hero. No, (laughs) no, you're not. Like what the fuck? And like even then he offsets it by saying, "If anyone asks, I totally banged you twice." And I'm like, "Damn it, movie! Want that reputation? Like, oh, you know, this is this is Monty. He fucks teenagers." Why would you yeah. want to be known as that guy? Why? And then, yeah, you have that little mid credit scene where it's like you're thinking like, oh, she's like telling him about, you know, the manager. And he's like, what the fuck? That's our manager. And then he knows it's a different house. But then he has that moment and he's looking and he goes, one more week. And you're like, oh, God damn it. Stop bringing it up, movie. I was like, the only thing I liked was when, yeah, Mitch was like, he has this big moment. He's like, and why don't you? And he ends up. Why don't you in jail? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm. I had a feeling we were going to be talking about this a lot when I watched the movie. I'm like, this is going to come up. Yeah, yeah, I. Yeah, look, man, I forgot. And then I'm watching. I was like, oh, this is a. This is a. This is still. At one part, I thought maybe they drop it. And then about as they kept going, I was like, no, they're not dropping it. Cause he's trying to sleep with the hostess. This is an ongoing. St- oh God damn it. <laughs> Uh, no. that's why we have the show that's why, that's why this one exists on that note let's let's fucking get past this cloud of statutory rape if we can there's a sentence I bet you never thought you'd say no I also never thought I'd say like hey this movie I do recommend it's really funny you just have to get past an entire subplot that's dedicated to statutory rape and now that I'm saying it it is a very hard sell <laughs> you could say that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh let's move on to the silver lining. Um the one the one positive in this film. What did uh what did you come up with? Ultimately, I gotta give it its props. It is a very honest and well done depiction of how it a restaurant works. It's this is, you know, this is it. This is, you know, you got spiteful kitchen staff, you've got philosophical dish dish pit guy you've got comp, incompetent manager and a wait staff that just fucking hates everything that's that's what every restaurant is like i've been there it's it's what it feels like it felt like i was back at draft house i'm like i remember every one of these archetypes except for the statutory rapist i never met him and if i did he wasn't bragging about it so but yeah i, I gave the film its props for that was funny. I pretty much put the same thing. <laughs> We've been on even ground with this thing the whole time. We really have. Um, yeah, no, I yeah, I, I give it props. It really like you say, rape is a very honest, honest, realistic look at like this particular industry. Even if you've only done like fast food or adjacent, you can still watch. And be like, oh, no, I, I, yeah, no, I get it. This film. Brutally honest, realistic, very funny most of the time look at how this industry is, the type of people that are attracted, um, or at least the type of people that seem to work here, almost like with no exceptions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. And you can tell that, you know, the, the writer was there. He, he, he did this. He could... <laughs> yeah, it's it's very obvious. And even from the customer side, switching to the customer's, yeah, yeah, we've all dealt with these type of customers. You've dealt with the assholes. You've dealt with the nice ones. You've dealt with the 
uh, those who uh, don't speak English and you got to, you know, figure out their order. Um, even at Subway, you know, um, we had, um, you know, I would have Indians, not like like actual Indians come in to order food. And sometimes they didn't speak English, so they would have to like get creative with how they told me. A lot of times it was like pointing at what they wanted. But, you know, you, you get creative because you got to figure it out, right? They, hey, at the end of the day, they want food as like anyone else. And we, hey, we're going to work through this together, bud. Tell me, let's, let's figure this out. How am I going to get you the food you want? And make you happy, hopefully. There's them, there's the you know the hick dude who doesn't, you know, give a shit about you. There's the guy who thinks, you know, the, the steakhouse guy who's like, you know, they're, they're on a business lunch, like it's it's all the same. You know, even even to the, the point of having the, the much talked about uh chet. There you go. Throughout the movie, show up and you I obviously it hasn't happened to everyone that works in food, but it's happened to plenty of people. It it fucking sucks when you have that guy that you knew from high school, you knew from college, that comes into your restaurant and sees you, and they got a fucking b- better job usually. They're super successful, and you can just tell they're trudging you, and they do the same shit Chet does. So come in and be like, "Hey, how you doing?" And as soon as you try to tell them, they all of a sudden like, "Hey, can I get more water?" Like, it's all a facade. It's just be like. Because you down there looking like, oh, you fucking, you still work here? This is your life right now? It it kind of happened. You know, we have been there. <laughs> One time at Draft House, um, I went into the bathroom and my college roommate was there. My first, like, my freshman year college roommate was there, Matt. And he was nice, but, like, it was, it was a weird interaction. He was like, Connor? I'm like, Matt? He's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I work here. And he's like, oh, nice to see you. <laughs> like, it was like, ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you know, usually it's nice. Most people are understandable, but you, I've known, I've, it hasn't happened to me, but I know people like it, you know, it's happened to where you were in person that it's like, it's very clear how they're acting. Like, they don't actually care about what you've been up to. They're just sitting there going, like, oh man, you still work here. Mm, I got this better, nicer job. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, in times like that, I'm reminded that, you know, not everybody's life goes at the same pace. Success is measured differently by everybody. And, you know, some people aren't there yet. Some people are very far ahead. Some people will get there in their own due time. Yeah, exactly. And like, hey, if if you ever have a chat, if you're working a food service or even retail, I'll send it out to retail as well. And you have that chat that comes in and tries to pull that shit. Just remember that, hey, it's temporary. You will have your moment one day. And also remember... You're the one serving their food, so do with that information what you what you want. Exactly, <laughs> serving their food. You're technically, they don't know it, but you're in charge. <laughs> yes. <sighs> On that nice note, that's all for the re- uh for the awards. <laughs> now to move on to the reviews and find out what's in the box. What's in the fucking box? This is uh, quite a fan-beloved film. There's a lot of positive reviews of this on Letterboxd. Um, It's sitting at a 2.9 out of 5 stars. So, pretty middle of the road. Mm -hmm. And uh, here are 5 reviews that made me laugh. I hope they make you laugh. This first one's from Aaron. 
Half of this is pure cringe, and the other half is the most accurate portrayal of working in a shit restaurant I've ever seen. Two and a half stars. <laughs> That's yeah. a half description of the film. Half of it is like, oh god, and the other half's like, I was there. Yep. <laughs> On one end you're sitting there going, dude, why? Oh, stop showing that bush. And then you're like, oh well, yeah, that. Yep, I remember that. <laughs> Karens have been around forever. We just have a name for them now. Yep. God, that oh, that always infuriates me when that lady comes in, it's just going off. I'm like, oh, that's why I, for me, the whole scene when they mess with her food, I don't feel bad. I'm like, yes, do it. She deserves it. I always laugh when she takes a bite and is like, there, that's better. Finally, it's like, oh, enjoy those pubes and dandruff. Yep, throw the pubes, dandruff, or the hell else they fucking did to it. <laughs> oh, God. Um, this next one's from uh, Zara Gwen. Someone basically tells Dane Cook that they hope he burns in hell, and I have never related to anybody more. Two and a half stars and a heart. <laughs> I love you're going out of your way now. I, di- I did it to the fucking Fred Durst, and now I'm doing it to Dane Cook. I'm going to, yeah. there's certain people I can't stand, and if they come up, I'm letting it know- be known. <laughs> oh. Next one's from Richard T. Does Ryan Reynolds spot on impersonation of Forrest Gump warrant watching the entire 90 minute unfunny mess that is waiting? Fuck no. One star. Damn, dude. Clearly he didn't work in the restaurant industry. I was I was actually like cackling at his Forrest Gump. Oh, that was really <laughs> funny. That was funny as hell. It was so like Justin Long. You can tell he's trying not to laugh. He's like, just don't. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. <laughs> this next one's from Alex H. Sometimes you don't want to watch a film with a deep and meaningful message or with an original and clever story. Sometimes you just want to watch people make penis jokes and sprinkle their pubes on other people's food. And that's just fine. Three stars. <laughs> I like him. I agree, Alex. You're onto something. <laughs> oh, that's good. You don't always want deep Sometimes you just want to watch the word burn, basically, and that's okay. Yeah, some movies are just pure chaos, and you know what? That's fine. That's fine. And this last one's from The Ron. Made me think twice about sending food back at a restaurant, that's for sure. <laughs> Three stars and a heart. Damn right. Yeah. I have never sent food back at a restaurant. Look, Even if they fuck it up completely, I'll be like, I'll just deal with it. I look, yeah, same here. I'll deal with it. But with that said, it all depends on how you approach it. If you're an asshole like that Karen is, they will absolutely do that. If you're nice and be like, hey, look, I ordered this, you know, it, it didn't come out right. You know, like if you're reasonable with these people, nine times out of ten, they don't mind. They will understand. <laughs> Yeah. It's all about the approach. Be nice to people, and they'll probably be nice to you. Right. Guess what? If it's a busy rush, maybe your fries are fucking or your veggies or whatever, something's cold, and you're like, hey, look, you know, don't want to be a bother. This came out cold. Nine times out of ten, they won't get that mad. They'll be like, hey, all bad, we'll fix it for you if that's okay. Then they move on. There's nothing wrong. Now, if you're an asshole, like Price is cold. You can't do your job. Yeah, you're probably going to get some shit added to your food. Yeah, you're getting special sauce and not the one that's on the menu. Yeah, so. 
Now, with that said, am I one of those that like if it's messed up, I'll eat? Yeah, I just it's just who I am as a person. I'm just like, oh, I don't want to deal with it. I've scraped shit off my burger many times. Yeah, yeah. Just, I'm no, like, I've never been one to be like, I said no onions. I'm like, oh, I'll just take it off. It's fine. Yeah, it's, I don't. Life's too short. I don't care. I'll just, I'll eat it. Yeah, but if you're all one of those, that's all I'm saying is like, hey, just be be respectful with your approach. Um, and that just that, that applies to every interaction you have with people. Just you know, a little respect goes a long way. Yeah. For for example, my uh, I was telling you about for record. I uh, you know have this little thing where since I've been to a lot of concerts, I have acquired clothing for the concerts I have attended. So I have the one when I went to with with you for Rage Against Machine. Uh, my uh, the one you got me for seeing Goblin Live, and I got it on Grar's website because I saw them with Josh to get a shirt or medium. Came, you know, get delivered small instead of free army. Like, oh, what the fuck? I literally just went very respectful email said, hey, you know, or this size. This is, you know, what got delivered. This is order number. And guess what? Because of that, I had a super respectful transaction the whole way through of, oh, hey, our bad. Send us the pic, send us some pictures. We'll take care of it. I did that. Next thing you know, hey, we're taking care of it. You'll get an email notification when, uh, when it ships. Look at <laughs> that. All it took was a little fucking respect, not being like, what the fuck? Like, Hey, like this is what happened, you know. Like, what can this is fixable, you know, whatever. And bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. My after I left Draft House, I got a job working tech support at Hulu, and I've never been more berated by assholes in my life. I didn't make it three months in that job before it was viciously damaging my mental health, and I had to get the hell out of there. Yeah. I, oh, God. Yeah. It is amazing. It's like people don't realize, like, you know, if you're just nice, like nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, people are willing to help you. Now, yes, there is sometimes the exception where you might catch the, the worker on a bad day. That worker might just be an asshole. And now, even though you're trying to be respectful, they're being an asshole. It's happened to me. I've been on the phone plenty of times where I'm trying to be respectful. It happened actually with the with um a money thing I was dealing with with the state of Texas. I don't want to get too into details on, on the podcast, but basically I had a call about getting my address changed on something. And, and I was trying to figure out who to call because they, they could not just it being government. I just couldn't get a fucking number. I called one, one lady literally rude as shit to me on the phone. I could barely get a name, hurried up and said all this shit. And then before I could like get any clarification on what she fucking told me, she hung up on me. I was fuming. So I wasn't rude. I was just trying to get an answer to my question. <laughs> I ended up finding like the person in charge wrote a letter. <laughs> I got fucking furious. Wrote a letter explaining what happened. Melt off next, like two weeks later, I get a phone call going, okay, Mr. Leger, we're so sorry about what happened. Like what? Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't have a name for the person that did this to me. So like, I kind of fucking really get my revenge. Like I wanted. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely, I know people got yelled at because of that letter and i'm like good because fuck that i wasn't being a i wasn't being a dick i just got bitched at for no reason i am a firm believer in try not to start anything but always finish it yeah somebody like don't bitch but if somebody bitches at you rip them a new one yeah in that case i was like hey look i i'm just asking a question that does kind of involve your job to answer so what the hell yeah I recently got scammed by a Mexican restaurant. Still waiting on deals with like how you know how that's going to be handled because 
I can't get this company on the phone because I don't think they exist. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, I hate well, it. Look, you got to deal with that shit. Yeah. Luckily, when I did the letter, I got the phone call, they changed my address and then even told me, like, oh, next time just do this. I was like, okay, thank you. That's all I needed. Like, I was that so difficult. <laughs> yeah. I guess, you know, the, the moral of this story is just, you know, don't be a dick, which is kind of the moral for most stories. Yeah. On both sides of it, don't be a rude customer. Don't be a rude worker. Like, look, for all people, we get it. We all have bad days. Like, don't take it out on each other in a place of business. Be the bigger man. Always be the bigger man. Yeah. I get it. Trust me. We've all worked food. We got to put on that fake smile. I get it. But you got to do it. All right. Let's close this out. So for our real words, next week's episode is, as always, social media. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Filmgasm Productions. If you want to share us a recommendation, feel free to email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. If you would like to donate and support us in that way, you can find us on Anchor. And then finally, feel free to get on our site, filmgasm.com, for reviews, shows, articles, and all of our episodes. Next week, it's a big week for this podcast. Big week. Because it's the start of a new year, and also it will be the one-year anniversary ah. of Beyond the Bad. Yes. I actually paid attention for once in my because it's kind of my show I need to. Um, so we'll be celebrating with in two different ways. First, we're going to take a look at our least favorite films of the past year, all or worst. Whatever you want to call, I know a particular one is becoming quite the social media stir um recently. Um, but our least favorite films of the past year probably are just our, our bottom five, basically. And then we're going to big. Because it's one year, I want to go big, I want to go hard, I want to go heavy. So we're doing a big hitter for the episode. And we're honoring one of our very uh, ones that we've given an award named after and going with Plan 9 from Outer Space. That's, yeah, widely considered one of the worst films of all time. Huge cult classic, Ed Wood's masterpiece, if you want to call it that. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. Like I said, it's it's the one year, so I had to think like, okay, I want to go big. I gotta, you know, that's when you start thinking things like Troll Two, The Room, things like that. I was like, let's do Plan Nine, because I don't think we talked about that one. If I think it's been like it's getting like that's one of the oldest ones on the list of bad films. I think people just don't talk about it like they used to. And I'm like, we're we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about it. Yeah, I'm actually interested to see like where does this cult classic status come from? Is it just People being like, dude, it's the worst movie ever. You got to see it. Or is there actually something here? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it'll be interesting. This is one I've heard about all my life. So I'm actually kind of excited to see this and what it entails. So it should be a fun episode. And again, that's mixed with our, our bottom five of the year. So it's going to be a bit, really fun episode. Can't wait. Yay, one year. <laughs> On uh, Filmgasm, we'll be looking at one of the most celebrated horror films of all time. Many talk about magnum opuses. What many consider to be George uh, Romero's, George A. Romero's magnum opus. I don't know why my mind was literally about to say Lopez. I was like, no, what the fuck? I, I do that shit all the time. <laughs> I was literally saying, oh, George. How the fuck am I about to say Lopez? What the hell? I wish you had. I wish you'd let it slip out. That would have been fantastic. <laughs> I was about to. I was about. I was like, that's why I kind of stopped. I was like, sure. Lopez. Uh, Durrell. <laughs> oh, God. Ah. 
But yes, George A. Romero's magnum opus by many, the best they, they consider in his zombie run of films, that is Dawn of the Dead. Should be a lot of fun. I know me and Josh just saw the uh the 3D screening that they were doing this past October, so that was a lot of fun. Looked, looked fucking great in 3D. Great scene on the big screen, so should be a real fun episode. Yeah. And and then on Oscar Sunday, again, we're going to be getting festive with being a new year. So uh, I'll be on there this time. I will be bringing my unclassiness to uh, the classy podcast, as I tend to do. <laughs> You've been one Austin, but you should expect it by now. <laughs> um, I'll be joining the uh, these the good old guys to uh, look at our favorite films of the year, so our top five. And then what we're excited for in 2023. So it should be a lot of fun celebrating the things we like, the things we enjoyed for the year. Our personal favorites, obviously a nice big draft, and but also what's to be excited for in 2023. And that should be a lot of fun to talk about because we've already been getting a lot of trailers for some very big hit films coming out. Um, and if not trailers, there's been images of other big hitters that I'm still waiting on trailer. <laughs> Evil Dead Rise, get a fucking trailer out. Um <laughs> Coming out. Should be a lot of fun talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be an, a different kind of Oscar Sunday and uh, looking forward to kind of changing the formula up a bit for that one. Um, and assuming all goes well over the next couple of days, uh, there will also be a new fake true stories next week where Isabel and I will go into Disney's Pocahontas and the rampant historical inaccuracies that that film has drilled into an entire generation of Disney kids. So yep. but that'll be way, the, same, the same Disney. I should point out that had zero issues being amazingly historically inaccurate, but now it goes out of its way to constantly say they have the first gay teenager, first gay couple, first gay this and that in their movies. It's like, all right, so you look, you can't have your cake and eat too, Disney. <laughs> like, come on here. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Disney's hypocrisy that they've always. Yeah, I'll save it, but it's going to be a beefy one. Yeah, it should be. They're kind of going through a lot, too, because uh, JPEG got, uh, he got kicked out. Igor came back to run Disney. That's right. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Ouch. Never a good sign when you got to fire the new guy and get the old guy back. No, well, they were kind of more than, without getting to it, they were kind of more than a lot of controversy during his run because of like the, the, um, the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida. And the stance he was taking, having Disney take with it, and then had the fact they had to even come out and publicly apologize that it seemed like they were supporting it when he's like, no, that doesn't reflect us. Like it, he did not have very good, uh, I, I, I was, it was kind of becoming apparent he wasn't maybe the best person to be put in charge and was more about, you know, bringing things going backwards to forward with progress. Well, if only the stockholders of, Warner Brothers can come to the same conclusion, but we will see. Yeah, right. It's like, yeah, can we do the same thing with Warner Brothers right now? Uh, but that that will be on that. That should be a lot. Of, that will be a beefy big true stories right there. Um, look forward to listening to that one because, uh, yeah, Pocahontas. I mean, I grew up loving it, but I was, you know, I was a kid when it came out, and like, I, I now obviously I know how historically inaccurate it is. It's going to be an interesting dynamic because Isabel grew up with it. And I saw it for the first time like a year and a half ago. 
So I don't have this reverence for Pocahontas like a lot of our generation does. So I'm coming at this like unbiased and yeah. <laughs> this, yeah, this is oh wow, it's gonna be a good one. <laughs> Ooh, well, until then, remember the golden rule of eating out. Don't fuck with the people who handle your food. See y'all next week on Beyond Bad.